Hello and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate not being able to do the stuff I want to do when I want to do it. Ooh, and my name is Kyle, and today I hate miscommunications. Is this directed at me in any way? No, it's uh, uh, marital stuff. Gotcha. This past couple weeks, the wife and I have had a couple of tiffs. <laughs> we are A-OK, thanks for asking, but uh, yes. <laughs> uh, no, we're fine. It's just like... Because we've been going, like, she's, she choreographed my show and then another show, and so she's still, like, that show's closing weekend is this weekend, so mm-hmm. she'll finally be done with that, um, and it's just like, she's been very busy, she's working later, now that she works at corporate, uh, at the company in which she's employed, and so we don't get to see each other as much, and so just having, like, our schedules aren't lining up, and then like yeah. our head spaces aren't lining up. Like I'm finally done with the show, but now it's like I have one week of work left, and I'm in this like really weird limbo state because now mm-hmm. like we had our last day with my special needs kids, and then next week I'm like just administering exams. So I'm like re- trying to get used to this schedule, and then it's only really gonna last for like another week, and then I've got to get used to the other schedule. So I don't know. We'll see. It's just really weird. We've had some miscommunications, but we're a okay. So. We have certainly, I mean, we faced that a lot in our 10-year relationship, but particularly recently, you know, having a kid and being exhausted just adds to the stress and to the insanity of everything, and just the, like, exhaustion and kind of we're on edge. A really cool thing, um, some, it was, it was, it's more advice about keeping your marriage strong when you have kids, but I feel like it's, it's applicable to this situation and to any marriage. Really cool thing that I read was advice uh was to when you come home from work or whoever comes home and the other person's already there you spend five minutes staying within five feet of each other so it's not like you walk in you're like oh hey what's going on you go and drop your shit off and then you're going and doing your own thing but you're dedicating five minutes immediately when you're together to only spending time with the other person and that you know a lot of the like how was your day it was fine how was your day like that that kind of like small talk BS annoys me. Um, but me if if you dedicate five minutes to being around them, you will inevitably actually talk about something. Because we're so used to as a society like, hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. And like there's nothing that happens beyond that. And I feel like that even happens in a marriage too. Where it's like, oh, it nothing really particularly of note happened. And therefore I don't need to talk about it. But being around someone and forcing yourselves to be around them and only engage with them for even five minutes helps spark that. We are not great at it yet. Like, I forget a lot when I come home from work. But I feel like when we do do it, it makes the rest of the evening, like, more enjoyable for both of us. Whether or not we're hanging out, which we primarily are always hanging out because we're tag-teaming parenting. But, right. yeah, I would just throw that out there. I, it was a really cool piece of advice that I that I heard. And um, it's, I have noticed a difference already when we tried it. Okay. Um, but yes, that stuff so what's is up, What's difficult. up with not being able to do stuff when you want to do it? It's just being a parent. Oh, yeah. Like, okay. yeah. so Rage 2 came out, and in a normal situation, I would have played a lot of Rage 2, and I didn't. Because I can't. <laughs> like, I can't sit down and play a game for two and a half hours. And yeah. it's really hard to just get immersed into it. And, like, I'm a very structured person. I like to plan out my day. 
and it's really hard to do that now because like we can plan in our minds oh she'll eat at this time and then we'll do this and then all these other things oh she'll we can hang out during this period and then it inevitably just like gets screwed up because oh she has a blowout in her diaper and so we have to give her a bath right then and that like totally screws up the rest of the schedule for the day and so it's it's teaching me the positive looking at it from a positive perspective it's teaching <laughs> me to let go a lot of of that control that I want to have but it is frustrating one to just not be able to be scheduled whatsoever but also like I can't enjoy things in the same way and that I'm just adapting like that's my reality now there's nothing I can do about it and so I'm not going to sit and be like mad that I can't be selfish and have my shade time whenever I want but it is still I mean I'm still in that transition where it gets frustrating that I can't do it like this morning I woke up at like 7.45, I think because Kelly was up and moving around a little bit because she had to do something, but like Penny, my anticipation was last night we went to bed that Penny would sleep until like 6, because that's usually what happens. She would wake up, we'd need to feed her, and then she'd go back to bed for a couple hours. And so I was like, okay, when we get up at 6, we'll feed her, change her, burp her, and then when Kelly and Penny go back to sleep, I'm going to go play some Rage 2 because I've had the game since Tuesday and haven't played it at all yet. And we're doing a podcast today and I would have liked to play Rage 2. And that was my plan because I was like, oh, I'll be able to play for like two solid hours while they're asleep. It's perfect. Well, she didn't wake up at 6. We just randomly woke up at like 745 and she was still asleep. And so I was like, what do I do now? Like she's inevitably I'm going to go out there and try to load up the game. and She's going to wake up. But Kelly was awesome. I went out and started just to see. And sure enough, like a half hour later, she woke up, but Kelly fed her and took care of her. So I did get to play Rage 2 for like a solid hour this morning. (laughs) Oh, boy. Like, I feel, I I probably game two hours a week now. And that's like, not that much. I used to game 10 hours a week, at least. Especially on weekends. I would sit and play a video game like all day some Saturdays. And that's just not my reality anymore. It is what it is. It's a bummer, but like... It is what it is. You adapt or you die, as we talked about last episode. So, if I recall, I said I would die. (laughs) (laughs) Right, that's true. (laughs) Accurate. Uh, So, this is episode 50. It's not like... Yeah, it's not as big as like episode 100, but we're also twice a month, not every week. And so, it takes us a lot longer. Like, we've been doing the podcast closing in on two years. And we're just now hitting episode 50. So... It's it's a decently cool thing, milestone to reach. Um, speaking of not having time to do stuff that I want to do, my big plan for our episode 50 special was to announce that all of our podcasts are now on YouTube. Not that we're doing video podcasts. That's way too much to take on for us, I think, right now. Yeah. But that at least it was another avenue where people could enjoy the content and and hopefully find it. Like, you know, people that aren't even listening to the podcast. Um, I was extremely overly ambitious to think that in a month I would be able to re-edit all of the podcasts with an image, export them, upload them to YouTube, write descriptions, etc. I haven't done any of that. I haven't done any of that. None. So, because oh, no. this is Saturday, and I will have time, I still need to edit this podcast and do the show notes like I always do. So, when I do that, I can promise you this. When this episode goes live on Monday, you will at least have this episode 50 
available on YouTube. I'm going to try to also do some other episodes, but there's obviously no way all 50 episodes will be on there. Really 51 if you include our episode zero kind of intro podcast. Right. So hooray, episode 50, we're now on YouTube. Going forward, the episodes will all be on YouTube. But, and I guess for people that have already listened to the podcasts, they don't particularly care that old episodes aren't on there yet. But I want to have, you know, I'm pretty OCD. It's comprehensive. I want to have everything on there if I'm going to do it at all. But the channel is live. It's Shay Hates Everything. Or I guess YouTube.com slash Shay Hates Everything. I don't know how YouTube does it. But you can find it. It's got my face on it. And it's good. I'll, I'll be linking to YouTube now in all the show notes. So if you're checking those out. So you can now get the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play, Podbean, YouTube. And I need to add the Podcoin whatever thing. I have not yeah. done that yet. I still need to check that out and make sure it's all on the up and up. I don't want people getting taken advantage of from some service I'd never heard of. Yeah, could be an up and down. Who knows? Yes. So we're on YouTube. Hooray. Um, also, as part of episode 50, I wanted to take a look back and maybe point out for folks that haven't been listening since the beginning, because our numbers have grown, and say, hey, here's some cool episodes that you should check out. So, obviously, the episode one is our actual intro episode where we just talked through all of our favorite shit, all of our favorite video games and movies and comic books and TV shows and all that stuff. So that's just a really good episode to listen, uh, especially for new folks that like still want to get to know Shay and Kyle a little bit better. That's a really good one. We talk about you know, like Harry Potter and I know your favorite game, Resident Evil 4, my favorite game, Bioshock. We talk about Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all the cool nerd shit. That us nerds love. Yeah. Um, hooray. And then I actually wrote down more episodes than we need to talk about. Because I, I was scrolling through on uh, my podcast app. And I was like, oh yeah, this was a good one. Oh yeah, this was a good one. Oh yeah, this was a good one. And it was beginning to feel a little bit uh, vain, I guess. Yeah. But like, to say like, oh, all this great content that we've made. <laughs> <laughs> but... One of the early See, ones I will... I guess it just shows how differently you and I look at things. I was looking at the list you'd made, and I added one more episode. Um, and then, because I was also scrolling through the things, I was like, man, look at all these episodes that like aren't worth mentioning. Oh, that's, that's, don't say that. <laughs> that was my <laughs> takeaway <laughs> when I was looking at the list. I was like, I don't really, I don't remember anything from these. Oh, no. <laughs> well, it's also tough, because, I mean, at the end of the day, like... Especially early on, our podcasts were closer to three hours regularly, which was not sustainable. That's a long time to sit and talk. Yeah. Um, our butts but, hurt after that. Yeah. At a certain point, like, I need to boil down everything that happened on the podcast into the show notes, which is just, like, the topics and, like, the descriptions on iTunes. So, like, I miss a lot of, like, oh, this really funny bit happened, but that... I don't remember that because it happened nine months ago, you know? So right. every episode has nuggets of awesomeness. That's how you should spin it, Kyle. Take some marketing classes. Don't say, don't bother <sighs> listening to old episodes. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're all bad. It's all trash. <laughs> We're here to destroy your it's dreams. Like, it's like an exciting train wreck. Um so, a couple other ones. You can bring up the one that, that you brought up. But uh, episode 12, I called out. The title was We Leave Greed to Others. And that episode I just loved because that's where we really ripped in on the 
Star Wars Battlefront 2 loot box stuff. And I feel like we had a really good uh, conversation about that. And just talking about other bad publisher, like shitty uh, publisher practices. And that was just a really fun rant episode. This was like in the early days, the podcast was even more like critical than it is now. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I feel like it turns out that wasn't wasn't emotionally sustainable for either of us. It just became exhausting. But I feel like in the very early days, I would go off on all my like hardcore rants, and you were kind of the voice of reason. And I feel like in some ways we've kind of swapped that. We're <laughs> yeah, like, it's more the bit. Kyle hates everything podcast. Like I definitely still have my rants and raves about stuff. And I actually do have a hate of the week for this podcast. But like, I feel like you often are the one where you're bitching about something. And I'm like, well, let's hold on. And I, just, <laughs> I, I am not, I am not comfortable playing the good cop. So you need to become good cop again so that I can have fun and shit on everything. Like I used to. All right, fine. I'll be like, and then the last one I'll mention, episode 29, The Phantom Movie Theater Menace. So this is what we mentioned uh, or referenced last podcast. So this was a story about a guy that I met when I went and saw Wonder Woman. And I'll leave it at that Yep, because it's a really good story. And uh, <laughs> I, I tell it a lot to like other friends. It's absolutely ridiculous. So you should check that episode out. And I know there was one, <laughs> another one that you wanted to talk about, Kyle. Yeah, so the episode after that, episode 30... James Gunn's Quiet Place. Um, mm-hmm. I really don't like the movie A Quiet Place. And you and I talk <laughs> about the fact that I don't like it a whole lot in that episode. And that's a lot of fun. There's also a yeah. fun bit in there about uh, the Nickelodeon kart racing game that came out not right. that long ago. And right. what other games that developer has made. Uh, so that was A bunch of classics. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, classics is the word I would use to describe them. Um, yikes. Yeah. But all of our episodes are amazing, and you should listen to all of them. It was fun scrolling back through, because it, it did make me remember certain conversations. Like, it wasn't that long ago, um, after, you know, when I was playing Kingdom Hearts 3, where, like, I kind of want to listen to those conversations again. Because, boy, was it f- so cathartic to just bitch about Kingdom Hearts for, like, a half hour every every episode. <laughs> it's good stuff so yeah (sighs) check out some old episodes if you haven't heard them if you've been with us since the beginning thank you right you know what write us an email if you've been if you've been here since the beginning or like relative since the beginning write us an email so we can give you credit for being super hardcore and if you haven't been here since the beginning thanks for finding us tell me how so i can make other people find us (laughs) and And it's it's not about the destination it's about the hates we made along the way. Oh, yeah. 100%. It's a beautiful sentiment. Yeah. So let's dive into some stuff. Uh, so as I mentioned, I played a little bit of Rage 2. I'm just a little over an hour in. Um, I know you've played some as well. I. It's not made an awesome impression, to be honest. I'm, I'm not really feeling... I'm super early. But I'm not really feeling it for multiple reasons. The whole thing feels very generic. Just like the story and the characters and the world. Like nothing about it pops, as they say. There's a lot of pink in this world. Like all of the things that are highlighted are highlighted pink. And I feel like that's them trying to like add flavor to this like desert open world. 
It's not been super effective yet, but I also haven't done that much. I've done the opening big mission scene, and then I've gone out into the open world on my way to the next story beat, and I stopped along the way at a couple little bandit camps, and I got another arc, so I got the Shatter power, but I'm still super early on. Shatter is very good. Yes. The dash, I was like, okay, I don't really feel the need for this. I'm sure it'll be more useful when you're later on with, like, uh, melee enemies and that sort of thing, but I haven't had a ton of use for it so far. So the big thing about the dash is when you upgrade it, um, when you dash, enemies lose target acquisition. Hmm. So, like, if there's a lot of enemies shooting at you, you can dash, and then once it's upgraded, it lasts longer, but, like they are then still shooting at where you were and not where right. you are anymore. And then you can also upgrade it so you have two dashes now that then recharge. So you can, like, gotcha. dash and then dash again more quickly or, like, cover more distance and stuff like that. So it becomes more useful as you upgrade it. Um, but I found it really useful in those big firefights with lots of enemies. So, yeah, that's fair. I, I typically haven't come across more than, like, three or four guys at a time. And the enemy AI seems like erratic enough where i never feel like i'm like targeted by everybody at once like a lot of guys are like just running around gotcha so i don't know my larger complaint about the game is it feels like it needs a patch like there's just a lot of buggy shit that's happening i was driving in my car and three bandits on motorcycles just like popped in right in front of me oh I, uh, the sound is completely broken in my game, which maybe I just need to reload the game and when I log in next time, it'll be okay. But like the horn on the car was broken. I hit the horn and then it went on infinitely long. Like it never stopped going. (laughs) And that's not a fun sound, especially when your wife and your baby are sleeping in the next room to just hear like (laughs) infinitely. And even when I got out of the car, and moved away from the car, it did not stop. Like, it was still super loud in my ears. And so then I got in a different car, and I hit the horn, and it happened again. So I also, like, there are a bunch of boxes in the game for ammo and for your upgrading resources and shit, and I don't get any sound when I break them. Like, it's just a motion, and then the box shatters. And Interesting. So I don't know, it... There's just a lot of buggy shit that's been happening in my game. Where, again, maybe when I load it up the next time, everything will be totally fine. But that just all leads to this, like, not a great first impression that this game has made. I would say the game also makes a poor second, third, fourth, and fifth impression. <laughs> awesome. Um, I've Can't played wait. for nine and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the worst part of the game is that you can be standing almost directly next to a box and try to melee it. And it, the melee range is so small that it doesn't break yes. the box. Yes. So sometimes I have to crouch in order to break a yes. box with melee and or you can jump. shoot them. You can shoot the boxes. Um, right. but I think oh, that's that might probably be better. the worst part. I might of the just game. do that now. I didn't even think about shooting them. I might just do that. Cause then you don't have to mash on the R3 right. button to keep meleeing. That sounds right. like a better solution. It's still not ideal. Um, yeah. Because when you start out in the game, you don't have a lot of ammo for each weapon. Like, your ammo capacity is pretty low. You can mm. upgrade it as you go. Um, but it still, like, now that I'm later in the game, the encounters are bigger, so I need more ammo. Um, mm-hmm. And 
sometimes there are objectives that I have to shoot, so I need ammo for that. And I, I'm gonna be honest, I just use the assault rifle. Like I have, a, I have, I have a pistol. I got like the pistol from the first rage from a quest, which was kind of cool. I got hmm. this shotgun that's really cool. I have a rocket launcher now. But I just, the assault, I just use the assault rifle. It's so good. There's there's no recoil. You, hmm. I'm just like every dude like three bullets to the head because I have it upgraded right. for armor piercing. So even if they're armored, they're wearing a helmet, it's still just like three bullets to the head and they're dead. Like there's no reason to use another gun other than the assault rifle, except when I'm fighting the big behemoth dudes, then I use the rocket launcher and that's sure. about it. Um, yeah, I'm, I yeah. don't know. I'm feeling very frustrated by 2019 video games going in. I already knew it was not going to be as big a year as 2017 and 2018 were just like looking at the release schedule. I knew that there weren't going to be as many huge, awesome games as there have been in previous years, but even the games that have come out, I've been very meh about like, yeah. Rage 2, I mean, obviously I'm still early on, but I'm not, and judging from reviews too, I'm not feeling like this game's gonna blow me away. And like, obviously Kingdom Hearts 3, I wasn't like the biggest fan of that game. Um, And then just like, Anthem, other big games come, uh, you know, um, uh, The Division 2, which I've heard decent things about, but I'm just not super interested. Sekiro, I know people have loved, but I'm not super interested. Days Gone has been mediocre uh, critical response at best. Right. So I, there's just a lot of the big releases either don't super appeal to me or have been underwhelming. And so I'm looking at it like, granted, I haven't played very many games this year so far, but I'm like, how the hell am I supposed to come up with the top 10 this year? <laughs> like, right. even looking ahead, I'm like, I don't even know that there are going to be 10 games I want to play that come out this year. So it's been uh, definitely a, a downer of a year. So I'm hoping something changes, like some game comes out that's a big surprise or like more games are announced at E3 that are coming out this fall. It's just it's hard to to look forward to very many things. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I also felt similarly about a lot of games in 2018 as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm feeling pretty disenfranchised with the gaming scene currently, which yeah. really sucks. I, I will I will say, and this doesn't help you, but I will say that you're in the minority on last year. Yeah. Having not, not liked God of War and not been interested in Spider-Man in particular. I feel like this year it's more widespread. Where, like, the majority of people are finding the big releases to not be awesome. Like, you know, Rage and the, and Anthem and Far Cry. Like, the general response on all those things has been meh at best. Versus last year, you were just a sourpuss about awesome okay. video games. Dismissive. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, back to Rage. Mm -hmm. Just, the writing is so bad. It's so I could do better and mm. I'll prove it later. But okay. the writing is so bad. Um I I skip all the dialogue now. It's painful. Interesting. The main voice actor like he does a serviceable job, but his lines are shit. And yeah. ev everyone else is so disinteresting. Like there's a character who returns from the first rage and I feel like they were really depending on people having really liked that character. But mm. I don't remember shit about this chick that was in the first game. I didn't even recognize her. I had to look it up. Uh, okay. It's like there's there's a little bit of that. Um, 
I think the open world is really uninspired. It's a lot of the same yes. activities over and over again and a lot yes. of environments that look like I feel like the environments are just a little too big and because of the structure of the environments, I feel like they did it this way so it'd be more fun to drive. It's just a lot of winds and curves, ups and downs, peaks and valleys. Yeah. Makes it hard to get around. And I feel I'm I also pretty sure don't they find the drive I don't think the driving is fun. Like, no, maybe it's the camera. Like the camera is so bad when you're trying to drive and it's so sensitive. And I picked up a bandit car because I have just the regular stock car, which is fine, but it can only shoot forwards. And so that makes it such a pain to try to kill anything. And then I got a bandit car that had like some kind of rocket launcher, but it only shoots right where you are. And so that made it really tedious, but it was also so loose to drive that I was constantly spinning out. And so it was just like, yeah. I'm not having fun with the driving yet. So if that's where they really leaned in, it didn't work. Besides the fact that they never really even showed that much driving in like the trailers and demos and stuff. Yeah. It's just, the whole game, it, it feels half finished or like half the f- team was focused on the wrong things. Um, yeah. I will say like the shooting and the combat is awesome. Like it feels really great. But the problem is like the powers, you can't use the powers enough. Like, like overdrive, which is supposed to be like the the raw yeah. badass, like I'm gonna f shit up all the time uh, mode that you kind of charge by killing enemies. Um, like even that is really underwhelming. Like it's just a lot of flash and not a lot of substance. Like it would be cool if when you do overdrive, you just have like unlimited abilities. Like you can just spam right. your abilities because that's what would be fun. Now the cool thing about overdrive is sometimes it changes certain weapons. So like. The rocket launcher does different stuff in overdrive. The shotgun does different oh. stuff in overdrive. So it changes the weapons, I, which is neat. I didn't notice any difference. Well, like, I've used it a couple of times, and I'm like, okay, there's just a bunch of peak and purple on my screen. Yeah, and you like, regenerate health. Seems like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's just underwhelming in a lot of ways. It, it was like mm-hmm. they, they had these ideas, but they were too afraid to, like, cheapen the experience because the weird thing about a lot of the marketing was it was this, like, it was Andrew WK, right, playing at uh-huh. E3 uh-huh. to a bunch of disinterested people. And then I feel like <laughs> at that point they were like, oh, maybe this isn't the direction we should take it. And so they kind of pulled yeah. back and, like, it was like they they had two games, Rage 1 and Rage 2. And instead of making Rage 2 this big bombastic, attitude-filled, like, gun-bashing badassdom... They made it like halfway between Rage One and that, and now it just feels like it's it. in limbo. They marketed it as the crazy over right. the top, but it's just not feeling that way yet. Like not at, at all. least in the early minutes of the yeah. game, it does the not way ever feel that way. Story, yeah, like there, it seems very straightforward. Like there yeah. isn't really a sense of humor to it, and I'm just kind, of, I'm just confused. I just yeah, feel and like that's the other thing is then they go for these moments of humor that don't land because the rest of the game's tone is so like right. dreary, yeah, and like defeated. <sighs> it's strange, very strange. Um, I, it's a testament to how fun it, the combat is that I have played it for nine and a half hours because normally I sure. just wouldn't have patience for that. Um, because like I had a similar issue with Far Cry Five, right? I mean, I eventually beat that game. I went back to it, but like. I played maybe two or three hours of Far Cry 5 when it came out, and I was like, fuck this, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I stepped away. And then when I was super bored, I came back to it. At least with Rage, 
the gameplay because the thing with Far Cry was I didn't even like the way the guns handled or any of that stuff either. Sure. But in Rage, at least the combat is fun, um, and I'm having a good enough time with it, and I'm just tearing enemies apart. I, I wish I could use abilities more often, um, but I found that through upgrading, it kind of mitigates some of that uh, need for triggering it more often, just making them more effective or giving me like multiple uses per charge, kind of thing like that. Um, so I, they, they have some stuff that helps um, kind of mitigate some of those concerns that I have, but in large, like largely, it is just uninspired and. Um, boring and like mm-hmm. kind of like empty in a lot of places like the the towns and stuff like there's like the occasional person walking around but you can talk to like four people in the town and that's sure. it uh like you can only talk to those four people like the other people that you walk by generally don't even say anything to you or talk to each other they're just like it's like a diorama i'm walking through a diorama <laughs> is what it feels like uh and then there's all this like all these upgrade currencies and mats yes, that, you that I'm upgrades. already like, ugh, I'm already yeah. rolling my eyes at all that shit. Yeah, and the a menu lot of that. is so the menu is buggy. So like when I load up, PC, like trying to navigate between pages, like free, yeah, yeah. it's ugh. Like how do you release a game with this many? Or even even take out the bugs that I've seen, but like just the menu. How do you not fix that? It's baffling. It's awful, and it's especially on PC because they don't let you just click on stuff. Like, you have to use the keys, okay. which is ridiculous. So, like, wow. I, and it's it's very unclear about what you can click on and what you have to use the keys to get to and stuff. And it just, it took a really long time for me to get a hang of the menu. And, like, I this last time I played, I was eight hours into the game and I realized that, oh, I can buy these upgrades and <laughs> then I can go to this menu and I can... Like, see how they affect my grenades and my healing infusions and this other stuff. Like, apparently, I was buying upgrades for those and just like, where the fuck? How do I use these? Because all the other upgrades in the game, you buy the mats for them and then you apply it in the menu. These, I was just buying and then it just applies it. Like, it unlocks the next tier automatically. And so, I had all this stuff and I was like, it's not showing up in my inventory. I don't know where these ability upgrades are or the grenade upgrades. But it was like a sub-menu in the menu and then it was like a chart that was unlocking. And there's just no indication, no explanation. It was so much of the design is baffling. Yeah. Uh, very weird. Very strange. Has not been awesome so far. But no. I also, like, you are definitely far enough to have made an opinion. I am still early enough on where, like, I can hope that maybe the combat or something will keep me going. Yeah, that's what's kept me going. Because the combat really rocks. And it's so, yeah, so, such, such even, a shame the rest of the game falls flat. Even with that, I'm, like, pretty underwhelmed. Like, it's just... And it, granted, I have an assault rifle and a pistol and grenades and a boomerang. Like, right. I, you know, and I have I just got shatter. So it's not like I have a ton of different things that I can do. But it feels, it feels pretty like, yep, aim down sights and shoot, guys. Like, there's not a ton that feels like, oh, this is so new and cool. It just feels like a first-person shooter. Yeah, it just it has a good like kind of frenetic pace to it. Once you start using your abilities effectively in combat, okay, like um, I'll like some guy will pop around a corner, and so I don't want him to shoot me, so I'll dash, and he'll lose target acquisition. I nail him with a headshot. I nail the next guy with a headshot, and you're kind of building this bonus multiplier. And as the multiplier mm-hmm. goes up, they drop more feltrite, which is used for unlocking upgrades. 
Um, so like you have a good incentive to increase that multiplier because then you can unlock mm-hmm. more stuff. Um, so like kill a couple of guys and then some more bullets come from behind me. So I'll dash to the side. He loses his acquisition. I turn around. It's an armored dude. I could just like pump him full of bullets or I could use shatter. So I'll use shatter and I'll like zip forward to him because I have it upgraded. So like jump like 10 feet towards him like a dash and then shatter him. He busts out of his armor into the dude behind him. And then I toss a grenade up because there's some dude firing like spiral rockets at me. So I'll toss a grenade up, cook it just the right amount of time. It explodes in the air in front of his face and kills him while that's happening. Some big armored dude is like on top of a van firing a Gatling gun at me. So I'll like whip out my rocket launcher and then like shoot him off of that. He's not dead. It just blasted him off, but he's off my back for a little bit. I turn around. I pull out my assault rifle, kill a couple more dudes, and then pull out my wing stick and, like, arc it around the van. And, like, it takes the big dude's head off now that he's de-armored from the rocket launcher blast. And, like, it just, it combos and it has a flow and it's a lot of fun. And it's, I hate that the rest of the game sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Because all of that sounds awesome. I just haven't had any of those moments yet. And I don't, I guess just because I don't have enough, I don't have enough stuff and I don't have enough experience with the combat to like do that. Yeah. I'm just ADSing and headshotting guys. It's kind of all I'm doing right now. So yeah. And another issue Hopefully I have on PC is that like the controls and the shortcuts for the abilities and the grenades and everything really are getting in the way of my combat. Like, cause it's X to switch between grenade and wing stick and like it's PC. Mm-hmm. So you can like re, um, rebind the keys and stuff but it's x to switch between the grenade and the wing stick c to crouch so sometimes i'll hit crouch instead of um switching the grenade and so like i'm in the middle of the combat and i want to throw a wing stick and i just like crouch instead like (laughs) that's not helpful and like and then overdrive is v so it's like x c v that are all like right next to each other on my keyboard Mm -hmm. Uh, and so, like, sometimes I just want to crouch, but I go into overdrive. So it's like, <laughs> I want to take, like, a really mad shit. Like, right. <laughs> I don't know. It's frustrating. And then once you're in overdrive, there's no way to cancel it. So then I'm just okay. like, well, I really just wanted to crouch so I could melee this container. And now right. I'm, like, screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Break that box. Ah! Gotta get the supplies. Uh, well, you know what Rage game two. is not disappointing? Skyrim. Dude, you're so that's a right. Good video game. Uh, that's the only other thing I've been playing. Haven't been playing very much of it, but I did get a player home mod called Sigil's Keep, which is like a huge castle. It's very cool. It's right next to Falkreath, and it's very like it doesn't look super immersive. Like it looks like it fits in Skyrim. But the placement in the world is maybe not what it should be. Because okay. it's like just this giant castle, like the size of Falkreath, just sitting right next to where Falkreath is. <laughs> and so when you walk up to Falkreath, you just see this huge fucking castle oh, right geez. next to all these like tiny little wooden houses. So that was a bit of a wait, what moment? Yeah. But that's uh, it is a really cool castle. It's got. Because I'm so organized with all my shit, I really what I really like about it is each room has its own kind of theme. And so, like, there's the uh, uh, armory room where it's got a ton of mannequins and displays and, you know, the boxes that you can put shit in and chests and stuff. And then there's the smelting room, which has all the armor and weapon upgrade tables. But it also, like, it has a place that is specifically for storing ingots. 
And it's really like it has a bunch of different ingots on top of it just for appearance. And so like, oh, I can go to the ingot table and put all my ingots. And then I go to the potion wall where there's a big thing of potions and that's where all my potions go. Oh, all my ingredients go here. And I don't have to determine that for myself. It's all indicated visually, which is just a really cool. It's a cool thing. I do. I mean, it's a giant castle. It's supposed to be a giant castle. I get why it's a giant castle, but it does take too long like in my perfect world i don't want to hang out in a player home that's not what i'm trying to do that's just where i all i put all my shit and so like for me if i had one big room that just what went around in a circle with all your different places to put things that's what i want yeah but because of this it's different rooms for each thing and oh there are multiple levels and so it's a lot of walking around in my home once i want to go dump everything which is not ideal so i may not stick with this as my place but it does feel cool, and just because it's a castle, and like that's my name, so right. I like that part of it. <laughs> so that's been fun. Um, it also because it is so, I'm so used to this game. It is the only game right now that I can play while I'm holding my daughter. <laughs> so that's kind of been my ideal scenario, where like if she's being extra fussy and I got to hold on to her, I can still play Skyrim while I'm like rocking her in my hand. And so that's been, I've, I've been very thankful to Skyrim for that because if I can't do that, then I'm like watching a TV show and that's like all I do now is watch TV because I can't do much. I have to sit there with her. And so yeah. it's, yeah, we'll get to that. But I'm curious uh, what other stuff you've been playing. Um, so I got uh, Swag and Sorcery on Steam, which is... Um, it's like a, a 2D, kind of like a town management sim a little bit, where it, it's actually kind of similar to, um, oh, hell, what was that game? Moonlighter. Uh, similar okay. to Moonlighter in that like you go to dungeons, and then you run dungeons, and you get mats, and then you use the mats to produce items, and you sell the items, and you can upgrade your characters. Um, but... When you go to the dungeon, it's just, hey, I'm selecting these characters to go, and I select where they go, and then they play the dungeon. Um, they just, like, auto-go through the level um, with whatever equipment and abilities that they have. Um, so that, it, it kind of just, like, streamlines the experience a little bit. And you can have up to, mm-hmm. like, once you get the town upgraded, like, right now I can have two parties of adventurers going with three people per party. Um, you start out with just, like, two people per party on one adventure at a time. And so now I can run two concurrent adventures, get more stuff. And then that allows me to then go back to the town and create more things, sell more things and upgrade my guys faster and get more money and all Mm -hmm. this other stuff. So, um, there's just a lot going on. It's a lot of mats, a lot of item generation, a lot of selling stuff. Cause every item that you make, (laughs) depending on the person that you put in, because you have to then, like, you have to put a person at the smithy in order to run the smithy. So, like, mm-hmm. I'll do a bunch of runs and get a bunch of mats, and then I'll, like, drag my party members sure. to their, like, respective stations. Because depending, like, the smithy, you need, like, a high strength attribute. The, like, the archery place, the, the fletcher or whatever it is, needs, like, a high agility rating and stuff like that. So I'll put those people in their respective things because the higher the person's value is... For that particular, whatever attribute that particular um, shop needs, the more chance you have to produce either extra of an item or a better version of an item. So, like, I'll just spawn, like, hey, make, like, 
10 of these coats and then maybe one of them will be green one of them might be blue or purple Mm -hmm. and then i can like equip the purple one onto my dude and then sell the rest and then use that money to upgrade um Mm -hmm. stuff like that and then all, all your people also have health that slowly regenerates outside of adventures um you can make health potions that they'll consume on adventures and they also have um I don't remember the term they call it. It might just be happiness. They have like a happiness meter. So if they're going on adventures and they're winning a lot, like they're not losing, then you can like their happiness will stay. It won't go down as fast. If they're losing mm-hmm. adventures, like you have to like hit the white flag and like they have to like retreat or if they die, their happiness goes down a lot. And when they're making well, yeah, stuff in the shops. That that sounds like you would expect. If someone yeah. dies, their happiness would go down. Yeah, you'd think so. Um, <laughs> and then in the shops in town, the more they make in the shops, their happiness goes down. And that also restricts like the percentage chance of making good stuff or extra stuff. So there's kind okay. of this balancing act of like, I'm paying money to relax them at the spa. And then I want them to make a bunch of stuff. And then I'm going to relax them at the spa again and then make a bunch of stuff. And uh, at, at first I wasn't sure how the economy was going to balance out. But now that I'm at like the second tier of dungeons and both parties are running the second tier. So I'm selling stuff for more money. It totally Mm -hmm. balances out. Like it's like a pittance um, to relax them and get their like status back up compared to like the extra money I earn when they pump out an extra item or like a green or purple item. Um, Yeah, it's interesting. And then, okay. So during the adventures also all the loot that they obtain is being like listed across the top of the screen and icons. And you can have one thing per party that is like in a bag. And so if you retreat, you still get to take that one thing with you. So if it's like all of your cedar logs or all of the money, or if there's like a blueprint for a weapon that gets dropped, I always click that because that's like the rarest Mm -hmm. thing. And so if Mm -hmm. they are about to die and I hit that retreat before they die, they get to take that item back. If they die, if the whole party dies or wipes, you don't get anything. Um, mm-hmm. But if you retreat, then you still get that one thing. So there's like there's a little bit of active clicking there. They just added an update that because um, it used to be when I first started playing it that I would send them on the adventure. They would finish. I would click results, click close, like click the town icon, and then go back to the stable, click the stable click go on the adventure and they would start the adventure again it was a lot of steps now Mm -hmm. they added an update where you click the results thing and there's just a like a rerun or replay option there so it's easier to just like grind stuff out and get a loop going it's still a little more active than i wish it was like i wish i could play it a little more passively um (laughs) it already sounds pretty bad like you aren't actually doing anything like, you're not controlling any of the characters and stuff. Right, right? but I'm selecting all of the mats get, that get used in creation of the okay. items and managing all the item numbers and stuff. That's where the real meat of the game is, is managing a lot yeah. of the stats and items and stuff. So, like, that's primarily what I'm doing. Like, I don't want to just sit there and watch them walk through a dungeon <laughs> and then right. click replay every time. Like, that's not exciting. Um, but the scale of the economy is such and the scale of like what it costs to level up your characters is such that you have to pardon me you have to grind a lot so um mm-hmm. that's kind of my struggle there so i'm nine and a half hours into that and nine and a half hours into rage sounds like you're enjoying swag and sorcery a little more i think so i think i'm kind of getting to the point where it's i've had enough of it though mm-hmm. um, whereas mm-hmm. with rage 
I'm still down to just blow more stuff up, at least in the short yeah. term. Yeah. But so I played that, and then I also played OTTTD, over the top tower defense on the Switch. <laughs> um, it is exactly what it sounds like. It's like a futuristic, but also not future. I don't know. It's weird. They like they play around with like time and like mm-hmm. genres a lot with the different levels that I'm going through. But it's like there are certain slots on the map. You can't just put towers anywhere. There's certain slots where you put towers. Um, you typical fair. You beat enemies that give you currency, which let you build more towers or upgrade your towers. Um, and then you have heroes, which I think is like the big defining difference um you have a party of three heroes and you can kind of choose which ones um you want to use and you're taking currency from when you beat levels to like upgrade them give them new gear like new armor new weapons upgrade their skills as they level up which makes them more effective and then in the actual levels you're picking like where they are where they should stand or move to and they each have abilities and you're picking when and where to trigger those abilities so it's a little more active tower defense and sometimes it's kind of hard to keep up uh and you have to get really comfortable with the controls because like the the trigger triggers on the switch will cycle you between the towers and the shoulder triggers will cycle you between your heroes um and then just kind of like face buttons for different stuff for little shortcuts as well but once you get quick with that then it it's pretty easy to navigate around because the joysticks on the switch aren't very good so like kind of trying to like hover over some hover over a tower when all the shit's going on uh can sometimes take like a second longer than you want it to so you just use the triggers to jump around to the different towers um that's been fine i got it for like eight bucks on switch it's totally yeah. fine amount of money to pay i think swag and sorcery was 20 bucks on steam which was also are these are they both 2019 games i think so yeah yeah Okay. Uh, yeah, because OTTTD <laughs> um, was on the recent releases, so I'm pretty sure it's a gotcha. 2019. Um, Swag and Sorcery sounds kind of fun. I definitely fun. can understand how you might be burning out a little bit on it. Yeah, uh, just with the loop. But I might check that out. Yeah, and there's. I mean, there's I'm whole assuming other, it's there's a, there's a whole it, other like subsystem of like this weird Pokemon Ruby Sapphire like beauty contests where uh, like. All the equipment that you have on your characters have different tags of stuff, and then uh-huh. you like send them to a beauty contest. Um, and there are three judges that are randomly chosen from a pool of judges, and then based on what their tastes are, you get a score from each of them, um, right. like one through ten, each of them, and then you get like prestige for your town. Still not quite sure what the prestige does, but there's a star rating in the upper right corner of the town. Not sure what the overall effect of that is or what it unlocks as it goes higher, but uh, hot chicks. Yeah, maybe higher your the higher your rating, the more hot chicks in your town. Hell yeah! Um, just like real life. You're right. Yeah. Um, all the hot chicks go to like New York and L.A. How many hot chicks do you think are in Detroit? That is a low star rating city. All right. If anyone here is from Detroit, uh, listening. <laughs> Shay's views are not necessarily uh, representative of the Shay Hates Everything podcast. Uh, which Actually, it is. Which they, they are, actually, though. <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, I don't know. There's a lot going on in Swag and Sorcery. I, I recommend it if you think that is a game that you might be into. It's just a lot of... It's ma- it's managing stuff. Like, there's not a lot of yeah. active uh, 
you don't do much in the, in terms of the combat. There's a magic system, so you can cast spells from a pool of mana during combat to help your guys out. Um, there's some like little. They try to add little bits of activity um, during the combat and other parts of it right. that you know you don't have to engage in if you don't want to. Um, and then lastly, uh, my buddy and I, we used to play Minecraft together all the time. And he contacted me. It's funny because I've been playing a new like snapshot world with all the new stuff because they've they have updated the crap out of base yeah. Minecraft. It's so different. Um, and there's a lot more to do. And uh, so I've been playing a single player world. And then he contacted me. He's like, "Dude, we should play Minecraft again." So <laughs> I, I had a free, I still have a free trial for Minecraft Realms, which is that like okay. Mojang hosted servers. Um, right. So I have a free 30 days. So I went ahead and did that. And he and I started a world uh, just a couple days ago. So looking forward to jumping in there feet first with my buddy yet again. Yeah, I always I always toy with the idea of just starting up a Minecraft world. And I don't even know that I would do all the new stuff. I might just do like the more classic when I was actively playing that game. Just because I miss it. It's just it's yeah. so relaxing. I mean, at times. When you yeah. go into a giant cave and you've got a bunch of diamonds on you and it's, you know, then it's not as relaxing because you're terrified. But, uh, yeah, it's a good video game. Yeah. It's quite good. That's when you set game rule to keep inventory true. <laughs> that takes away the, all the, the, the fun and the challenge. Yeah. You might as well play in creative mode if that's what you're doing. Yeah. Well, sweet. Um, so, I've been watching a lot more Seinfeld, obviously. It's kind of the go-to show when Kelly and I are sitting on the couch and too exhausted to do, to do anything, but also have to pass Penny back and forth. Um, but I kind of hit a wall, and it not not that I'm like not enjoying it, but I don't want to watch Seinfeld every day the entire evening. So right. I was looking for a show of my own that whenever I, you know, giving Kelly a break or, oh, she needs to go take a shower and I can spend some time or she's going to go to the grocery store and I'm going to stay home with Penny. What can I watch then? So I started Smallville. Over. Yeah, man. I remember you and I watching that in the basement of our old house. Yeah. Like marathoning um, Smallville. Yeah. I So I look back at this, the greatest summer of my life. And this is not an exaggeration. This is the greatest summer of my life. I think it was between my sophomore and junior year of college. Uh I borrowed basically every comic book that a buddy of mine owned. Literally hundreds of issues of comics. I borrowed his entire box set of Smallville, except for, I think it's season 9 or 10, whatever the last season was, had not come out yet. So all the other seasons. And all I did the entire summer was marathon Smallville, read comics, and play Killzone 2 multiplayer. Yeah. Two? Killzone, no, Killzone 3, I think, multiplayer. And because, like, I was basically awake every day from, like, 6 p.m. to 10 a.m., and then I (laughs) slept the rest of the time. And so, like, I would have friends that were like, hey, we're going out tonight, whatever, and I'm like, I can't, I've been up, like, I just woke, or I just woke up, and it's 5 p.m., like, uh... Yeah, so it, it was a weird summer, but it was just like the, the the amount of nerdy awesome shit that I did that summer 
was so amazing. And particularly with Killzone 3, I ended up like ranked in the top 5% of players for a week, which there was a trophy for. Right. And I wasn't like amazing at it. I was pretty good, but I wasn't amazing. I only was able to do it because I played it so much. Like that was the <laughs> game that I played that entire summer. But anyway, I marathoned through all of Smallville except for the final season that year. I never saw the final season because I just I, something happened where I just forgot about it or and, and then it had been too long. Like it had been like three years and I wasn't just going to go randomly watch the final season. So I've always toyed with the idea of going back and watching it. The issue is it's not that great of a show <laughs> and there's a ton of it. Yeah, it's like 24 episode seasons for 10 seasons like there's so much and they're 44 minute episodes like there's a lot yeah of smallville to watch uh and so i was always like this is going to be way too big of an undertaking for me to ever start it over again and watch the whole thing and then i had a daughter where all i could do is sit in front of the tv every day <laughs> So I've been watching a decent amount. I'm I'm like 15 or 16 episodes into the first season. It doesn't hold up that well. It, particularly early on, a, like there's a lot of uh, effects and like CG graphics and stuff that happened, and they just look so terrible. Like this was an early 2000s show on the CW. Like, oh, Star Wars Episode One came out in 1999, and there were some pretty decent looking graphics in that movie. But this is a television show on the CW. Yeah. Like, it's not the same level of budget. So a lot of it looks really terrible. It's also very teen drama. It's like a soap opera where it's all about relationships and everyone gets mad at each other and meaningful glances and all that kind of bullshit. Uh, the acting isn't particularly good from most of the characters. Michael Rosenbaum, who plays Lex Luthor, is awesome. He's like... Even when I watched it back in the day, he was the saving grace and he still is. But the fun thing about it that makes it still enjoyable to watch is that it's a freak of the week show. Like it's a procedural like CSI or Law and Order where every episode is kind of a different problem where there are like light ties and oh, the characters go on an arc or oh, there's a larger story that they're building to. But primarily you can watch any episode in any order and it won't really matter. So that part of it keeps it fresh. Like, there's a different bad guy, a different problem every single episode. So that's still fun. Uh, it is also hilarious, particularly in the in the early season, how they portray Clark Kent as, like, kind of a dork loser. Yeah. Uh, where all the jocks pick on him. And he's like a 6'3". Literally, the actor was a model before taking this role. Like, it's just... <laughs> I'm just watching it going, like... If he's a nerd at his school, I don't even want to know where I would fit in in that in that community. So that's pretty hilarious. And the fact that he like everything he wears is red, blue, or yellow. Get it? Yeah. Get it? It's the Superman colors. Uh so it's it's been a fun ride. Uh it's not something that I want to sit down and watch four episodes in a row, but I watch like an episode a day. Uh and that, that is, like, the perfect amount. And I'm watching it very casually. I don't need to be super invested in what's happening. I can get up and leave the room for a couple of minutes to go grab something and come back. And I don't feel like I'm, like, missing out on vital information. And I think it was last episode I was talking about this. Like, I need shows that, like, I can't start a new show when I have Penny because there are too many distractions. And me, I need to be 100% focused on what I am watching. 
Otherwise, I'm not going to enjoy it as much. So I can't, like, I need to rewatch stuff, which is why we are also rewatching Sons of Anarchy. And we're, like, in season five. So we're, we're racing through that show. So those are the kinds of things that I need to watch. I think we're going to rewatch Breaking Bad after uh, Sons of Anarchy. And I think we're going to watch Breaking Bad because Game of Thrones. So don't need to go into all the detail of Game of Thrones. We'll talk a little bit about it in Hate of the Week. Spoiler alert. But the season has been really, really terrible. Like, really terrible. Like, I can't even fathom how terrible it is. There's no way I could have possibly anticipated it was going to be this bad. And I'm not even being hyperbolic. But it makes you think of, like, okay, this show was this show was on pace to be the greatest show ever made. Where did things go wrong? Are there, are there shows that didn't do this? Because, like, Sons of Anarchy kind of wasn't as awesome in the last season. Dexter, we all know the finale was so terrible. Sopranos, the finale was so terrible. Like, what, what shows are there where it is awesome? Breaking Bad. That's what. And so I'm, like, super psyched to watch Breaking Bad next because I know it's good the whole time. And that's <laughs> what you need. So uh, we're definitely going to be doing that. And then the last thing... We have been in the mood for a competition show, and we haven't had one. And so we are watching a random season of The Great Food Truck Race, which we had watched before. Where It's not like Top Chef or something where like we get super invested and we're rooting for certain people to win. It's a very frivolous show. There are only like six, seven, eight episodes per season, and so it's pretty short. But it's fun. Like It's, just, it's people with food trucks doing food challenges. And so that's been a nice uh, palate cleanser between the drama shows and watching Seinfeld and whatnot. Um, the next season of A Great Food Truck Race has one of the dudes from the Jersey Shore in it with his parents oh trying to run a food truck. So pretty curious to see how that one's going to work out. Okay. So what about you? You been watching anything? Just anime. Yeah, buddy. Also, just a lot of YouTube. Um, but... The wife and I started a new anime on the recommendation of a co-worker of hers. It's called Kaguya-sama Love is War. It is fucking hilarious. It is so funny. The whole setup... Give me the elevator pitch. All right. The whole setup is there's a student council president and student council vice president and a treasurer and I guess like one of their just friends. I don't remember what she is, like what part of the student council she is if she is in the student council but anyways the whole setup is that like the student council president is this guy who is not wealthy he's worked very hard he's extremely intelligent he's the smartest kid in the school always gets top grades very serious like puts forth this like air of being very important very serious and then the student council vice president this girl she's raised from a super wealthy rich family she's also extremely intelligent extremely talented like kind of a renaissance woman um is how they paint her and she's also very serious like like very unapproachable but like the public uh, the, the the public perception of her in the school is that like, everyone wants to be with her. Everyone, okay. all, all the girls want to be with, want to be her. All the guys want to be with her. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, and since like there are these like two, like, um, Greek god figures in the school that like everyone wants to aspire towards, and so they must be together, right? That's the rumor, whatever. Mm. And then, like, just the uh, the so. That's who they are, and then they present this very cold front to each other. Um, like, 
very much because they there's kind of like this hierarchy that like they they're both too prideful to um admit that they're they have feelings for the other person so their okay. whole goal in the show is to get the other person to admit that they have feelings for them <laughs> before they admit that they have feelings for right. the other person and so there's always this like this back and forth game where like they're playing it super cool on the outside and then there's a there's a narrator who's very funny and then it'll like smash cut to like this very fun like funny drawing of their face with like all the sharp lines and edges and like the music's like and the narrator's like but he didn't really feel that way and like (laughs) stuff like that it's just so funny the way it's written and oh the the situations it's all like it's both of them like hyper over analyzing and like uh, the a lot of the humor is derived from the um uh oh gosh what's the term from the uh differences between that's not the word i'm looking for but the difference between how they're presenting themselves and how they're feeling and the what, subtext? what yeah the, what their internal dialogue is yeah um and so a lot of that is like that's where a lot of the humor is derived from is uh the differences between that um it's very funny. Very, very funny. Uh, and just like a good host of characters that don't play into a lot of t- typical anime archetypes. They're kind of their own thing, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, or like fun twists on the archetypes that you tend to see. So, highly recommend it. Kaguya-sama, watch, Love is War. Do you watch this stuff dubbed or subtitled? Subtitled. Okay. Yeah. The voice That's acting's like the always way, way better. Yeah, I bet. And I, I've... I started with with dub, and then I just, like, everything I watch, everything I play, I have subtitles on. So it's like I'm used to mm. reading and watching at the same time. Sure. And just the quality of voice work is so much better. Sweet. Let's Good dive stuff. into some news, because we got some uh, game announcements. So Sony had their, whatever, stay to play 13-minute live stream thing, where we kind of, like, dismissively talked about it last episode of... Oh, we're going to see more of Medieval, and then they're going to announce a game. Who knows what that's going to be? So they actually, I mean, they announced a game, and then they showed off a game that I still don't really believe is going to happen. <laughs> so I guess that that's the big thing. So we might as well start with that. So they showed Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yes, they did. I... So, like, they showed gameplay, and I'm putting really large sneer quotes around (laughs) that word. So, I just, I don't know, dude. And they said, like, oh, more to come in June, which is really freaking annoying to say, like, yep, come back in a month, and we'll actually show you the game. It just, that was stupid. But, it looks cool, graphically. I am just not convinced that anything we saw is actually the game. Yeah. Yeah. Because we've been burned so many times by this game already. <laughs> it's true. And by Square in general. Sure. Um, so, like, at this thing in June, if they show someone playing the game, like they do an actual live demo, then I will believe that maybe this game does exist. Yeah. And if they put a release date on it that is, like, in 2020, because it's not going to be this year. But, like, if they say it's coming out March 2020, then I will start to believe that this is not a complete smoke. I don't know. Um, all right. So, well, that aside, um, I don't 
I don't disagree with you. Uh, but that aside, just like looking at what they showed um, of the gameplay, the few quick flashes that we got, it seems like it plays, if this is true, it plays similarly to Crisis Core on the PSP. Um hmm in that it's just kind of like a third-person action game. Because my initial thought, like, back when they showed gameplay, like, way back, it looked like Final Fantasy XV, and I was like, right. oh, please, God, please, no, don't, yeah. no, no, Not don't, what, what are you, no, go, no, please. Uh, but this, what they just showed, looks more like a typical Kingdom Hearts, Crisis Core-style third-person action game. Um, Interesting. Where, I, I would say Kingdom Hearts 1, where it's a, a mm-hmm. little more grounded and a little less like crazy spinny flashy yeah stupid uh it's a great word for it so um i'm crossing my fingers i have hope i want it to be awesome yeah if this game was awesome i would be very excited about it being awesome i am just very cynical when it comes to something like this where it's a game that has been in development for so many years and we're not really seeing a ton of actual stuff, even though they've showed it multiple times. It's changed directions. It's changed design. Like that, all of that equals. I'm skeptical, basically. Yeah, I get that. They also showed off medieval, like they said they would. Uh, it looks shitty, and maybe it's just because the gameplay or something hasn't aged, and they haven't updated it. But it just looked really rough yeah like, and i mean the original smooth. game was not good yeah but it, i mean it, it had a fun personality but right. you're right it was a pretty average yeah. the game itself was not game. good yeah. right <laughs> to play right so i'm not crazy surprised it bums me out a little bit though just because like i have fond memories of medieval and it's like i especially its personality and companies have done a really good job updating old games recently like even over the past several years there have always been misses but like what they did with um uh uh, insomniac updating ratchet and clank obviously what with spyro and crash bandicoot all that like there have been a lot of success stories of updating old games with modern systems and this one just doesn't look like it's hitting that to me but we'll see when it comes out and then finally they actually announced another game called away the survival series where you play as like a flying squirrel or something, yeah, like man. going through the wilderness, and people have been like super psyched about it, and I was like, "This looks shitty. Like it looks lame." So I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting old, or I'm out of touch with. The I, don't I don't think it looks shitty or lame. I think it just looks simple. Well, yeah, I guess that's part of it. Like it just looks like a non-game. Yeah. Or at least they didn't show enough of like everything they showed like you're running around or you are flying and that's it. Uh, I just, I'm like okay, is this re- like, is this t- actually a video game? Like what am I doing? Yeah. It also seemed pretty linear as well. Yeah, totally. So I don't know. I mean, granted this was a 13-minute thing and I know a lot of people were super psyched about the Final Fantasy 7 stuff, but I was kind of like not I was not under nor overwhelmed. I was simply whelmed. Sure. Um, another game announcement. Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Breakpoint. It is a quote-unquote sequel to Wildlands. It is an actual direct sequel. 
kind of. Like, it takes place in the same universe, but they it now takes place on a fictional island called Aurora. And, like, it's now in the future where there's, like, more technology and stuff. It's not as grounded as Wildlands was. Um, it seems like they're making a lot of changes. So, Game Informer had an, uh, an article where they talked about, like, actual stuff they're doing in the game versus just the trailer, which was just cinematics. But, like... They're going a little bit back to what Ghost Recon is, where it's a little bit more of that sim simulation experience, where like, in, in there's a persistent injury system, you don't regen health, that kind of stuff, versus it being more arcadey like Wildlands was, which seems to be at odds with the more fantastical setting in the right. story that they're telling. But we'll, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. There's a new camp system, which is where you can heal your characters and share rations and craft buffs and stuff. And um, there are different character classes in this game now. And so you can swap between them. Like, I think you play the same character, but you can swap that character's class at the camps. Um, they took out the AI squad mates. So there was a big complaint in Wildlands about the AI squad mates being totally useless and actually like detrimentary to playing the game because you're trying to sneak around and stuff and like oh mark targets for sniper shots and stuff and your ai teammates were so so idiotic that they would screw up all your plans and so instead of like addressing that problem and making it better they just said okay no more ai squad mates and so this game is clearly intended to be played with other people it is a co-op game there are going to be raids all that kind of stuff matchmaking but if you want to play it solo you're playing it solo and that, again, just seems to fly in the face of, like, they're trying to make this a multiplayer co-op experience. So why take out, like, if you're playing alone, it totally changes the way that you play the game. And I guess there are, like, drones and stuff that you can call in when you're playing by yourself. I don't know. It just seems like a lot of the design decisions in this seem to be, like, not addressing the problems with Wildlands and instead ignoring them. And also fundamentally changing or fighting against what they were they were they were trying to do with Ghost Recon Wildlands. It feels a bit directionless, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um there's dialogue choices, but they specifically said that they don't have an impact on the story. So like why are there dialogue choices? It's like those like three instances of dialogue choices in Uncharted 4 where it's like why are these even here? Uh yeah, so I don't know. Uh, they they introduced a character played by John Bernthal, the dude from Punisher, in Wildlands and DLC, and he plays the bad guy in this. So like he gets goes crazy or something, and that's the storyline. And they also talked about their like post release plans. Like I mentioned, they're adding raids. They're going to be doing seasonal events, new story content. I guess they have a system where they can alter the terrain, which enables them to like plop down a new base or something, uh, like or or just spawn an oil rig ship that's off the coast. Which is, like, cool, but it definitely breaks the, like, immersion of, like, there's a building here now and there didn't used to be one. Right. But I guess there's not a ton that you can get around. Because it takes place on an island. Like, there's only so much you can do with that. So, I don't know. I, I was not particularly interested in Wildlands. And it seems like the initial reception was pretty negative, And then they fixed some things because Ubisoft is really focused on supporting games. This doesn't... Like, this is maybe potentially more interesting than Wildlands. But I'm still, maybe. like... I still just don't really care. I mean, I and know again, it's still going to play like Wildlands, which I thought played poorly. Like, it didn't yeah, handle fair. well. So, Yeah. Uh, and it comes out on October 4th. So, yet another game in 2018, or 2019, where I'm kind of like, eh, I don't really yeah. give a shit. So, 
I'm looking forward to E3, baby. Show me some new stuff. Yeah, please. Uh, and then finally, we have a new game coming from Mike Biffle, who is the creator of Thomas Was Alone, Volume, and Subsurface Circular. Thomas Was Alone is an awesome game. Volume, I thought, had cool ideas, but I didn't love it, and I never played Subsurface Circular. But Mike Biffle's like a dude in the gaming industry. like He's a very well-respected name. And he's making a John Wick game, which is not the kind of game you would think that Mike Bithell would make. Right. But it looks potentially interesting. The trailer that I saw, it was a bit like, it looked kind of early. Like, it just looked a little janky or unfinished, maybe. But it seems to, to me, it looks like XCOM Lite, where it's more of a strategy, like, Final Fantasy Tactics sort of gameplay, where you, like, pick targets and move around to different boxes and stuff. Um, versus it being like a shooter or something, which you might expect from a John Wick game. So I don't know, man. It seems interesting. The visual style isn't super my bag, but uh, it's more of that like comic booky, sharp edges. Yeah, it reminds me. Count. Yeah, it reminds me of. Um, oh, what was it? Uh, Thirteen on GameCube. The game All right. Thirteen. Yeah, I can see um, that. Kind of reminds me of that. But uh, yeah. I think, so from what they showed, there was a section where it kind of like showed him like comboing attacks. Mm-hmm. and Because I know like that's a big part of the movies is like the flow of combat. And with a turn-based game, you don't necessarily think of a flow of combat. It's kind of in chunks. Yeah. Um, and so it seems like maybe the comboing is going to be a thing in this, which could kind of set it apart from other turn-based strategy games sure yeah if there's depth to that it could certainly be cool yeah uh no release date but they did announce it's coming to consoles and on pc it will be exclusive to the epic game store so i'm sure people will be boycotting in the streets yeah Um, uh negative reviews on john wick 3 yeah can't wait okay last episode we talked about how nintendo was not going to have new consoles at e3 and we were like, oh, I bet you by next episode they will have announced their E3 plans and we can talk about it. And they did. Boom. So we can speculate a little bit. So their Direct is happening at noon Eastern time on June 11th in the release of, like, here's the high level of what's going to happen. They did not mention the 3DS, which is interesting. It will be focused yeah. on the Switch. Makes sense. And it seems about that time where they're going to move beyond the 3ds but this is the this will be like the first big time that they aren't really talking about the 3ds um right so i made a big list of games that have been announced that could potentially be there some of them are like a lock while others may or may not happen so i'm gonna guess that super mario maker 2 will be there they did just do a direct like a 15 minute direct this past week specifically on super mario maker 2 which could potentially mean it won't be at A3, but I feel like that's kind of a tentpole release for this system. So I would I would yeah. be shocked if they didn't have at least a trailer for it there. Uh, what are some other like big ones here? I have a long list. So the Zelda Link's Awakening remake, we need to see a little bit more of that and get some uh, release date nailed down and stuff, which I'm, I'm really looking forward to that game. Previously, they have announced Dragon Quest Builders 2, the new a new Fire Emblem game, Astral Chain, which they had showed off. I think that's the uh, Platinum Games joint. Demon X Machina. It is, yeah. The, like, co-op thing. Yeah. Uh, the Demon X Machina. Is that also a Platinum game? That's, like, the mech game. 
I don't yeah. remember. But those I, those were both announced, so I could see both of those. They've already announced Luigi's Mansion 3, uh, which we haven't really seen much of other than just that it's happening. They obviously announced Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, um, which will probably be there. They've kind of been trickling out details about like what the roster looks like, etc., but they haven't had a big right. kind of unveiling of everything. Um, Untitled Goose Game, which was kind of an indie darling... I think was it last E3 or maybe even before that where it was announced and people were like super psyched about it just from its kind of like style and stuff. Uh, but it's kind of gone dark. And then we have Animal Crossing, which is a lock to be there. They've already said that they're going to show the new Animal Crossing there. Pokemon, they've already said that they're going to show more Pokemon there, which is another huge temple game coming out this fall. And then they have um, Pokemon Company's other game called Town. Or I guess it's not Pokemon Company, whatever the other company is that works on the Pokemon games. But they have a game called Town, which I think was announced last E3. Oh, Game Freak. We haven't really heard anything. Game Freak, that's what it is. We haven't really heard anything about it. Just some details about, like, you're fighting monsters and building a town. And there might be some city building aspects to it. Might be sort of, uh, oh shit, what was that game series? Dark Cloud 2 sort of thing. Where it's like yeah, an RPG, I'd be but down there's also a, a city building uh, and then I wrote down Bayonetta 3, which we have not heard anything about since they announced it two years ago. Three years ago? No, I think it was two years ago. And then a game that we won't see is Metroid Prime 4, because <laughs> we already know <laughs> that that's Switch development. They're starting over from scratch. So, I mean, obviously there will probably be something new that we have not heard about, but that's a really strong roster of games, even if they it only is. showed more of stuff we've already heard about. So, I don't know. Did I miss anything or, like, any other series that you might expect to see some more stuff from, Kyle? Um, I would be interested to see... There's that... Um, ah, crap. What is that anime game? It's So, there's an anime series, but then they're making two games of it. Actually, a fighting game and then, like, a um, Platinum was working... Was in development with this company making the game and then the company didn't renew platinum's contract on it okay yes um grand blue fantasy grand blue fantasy yes there it is yeah um so i'd be interested to see if grand blue makes an appearance i don't know if it would be necessarily at nintendo's thing but just interested to see if that pops up anywhere mm-hmm. um i don't know just like w- when you mentioned platinum it made me think of it right but i don't know necessarily that that would be at nintendo's thing um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the, only, the only other thing I could think, and in, in, I'm not expecting like a big new Mario game, um, like the you know if it's Super Mario Odyssey two or whatever it would be, the next big 3D Mario game. But I wouldn't be shocked to see an announcement for some Mario thing. So obviously they have Super Mario Maker, but like another. 3D World or something coming to Switch, like a more traditional Mario side scroller slash 3D experience. I wouldn't be surprised to get an announcement for that with like a 2020 release date. Um, Super Mario Iliad. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sorry. No, I, sorry. I I enjoyed that quite a bit. Uh, yeah. So we'll see. Um, like I said, I'm sure there there will be stuff we haven't heard about before, but they already have a lot of things coming down the pike. So tell me about uh, e- this EA Access business. Yeah, so EA Access has been available on Xbox and PC since 2014. It's their subscription service that lets you play select EA games. Um, 
It's kind of like uh, the Xbox Game Pass, but just specifically for EA titles. Um, so uh, they also allow you to play certain EA games a little bit early and keep your progress. Uh, so it's like slightly ahead of release. Um, and they kind of have a rotating list of free games. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just announced that it's finally coming to PS4. So right. um, initially, Sony... So EA EA Access has not been available on Sony consoles because Sony was not allowing them to make it available. They said it was a, a bad value proposition for consumers at yeah. the time of its first like inception, which is kind of a funny thing. Um, but I guess now their offerings are such that Sony has deemed them worthy to be on their platform. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a mix for Sony's perspective of like back in the day it competed with their more robust PS Plus thing that they were doing with the free right. games and stuff. So that was one thing, but I think also with the PS Now it was a, a potential yeah. competitor for their game streaming service, which obviously has not taken the world by storm. So it seems like they're, you know, it's it feels like Sony given the backlash about crossplay and some other stuff that they've done is starting to soften a little bit about being more collaborative with other publishers and other companies. I didn't add the news story, but there was a thing about how Sony and Microsoft are going to start working together about um, more digital solutions. And it's something like they're going to put out a joint console, like, and there aren't really details, which is why I didn't add the story, but it's more to the point that like, they're starting to become not as closed off from the rest of the industry. And this feels like an example of that, you know, doing what they should have done from the beginning. And if you say, Oh, this isn't a good value prop for our customers, let your customers make that choice. Like, don't take the power out of my hands. Let me decide if it's a good value or not. So it seems like they're finally coming around at least a little bit on that kind of perspective. Yeah. Um, and for, in terms of the cost of EA Access, it's 5 bucks a month or 30 for a year. So, yeah. obviously, significantly cheaper to go for the year. Right. Uh, it's half the price. So Yeah, I um, need to check out what games they have available. Because this could potentially... You know, it's sixty bu- or, uh, sorry, $30 for a year is a decent value. Right. If, if there are EA games coming out that you want to play where you can play them early and you can get some occasional free games as part of it, like that's not that bad of a value at $30. Yeah, and I mean, it just really wasn't something that you were interested in to begin with because you don't have an Xbox. Um, True. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like they have a lot of their sports games, right? Like NHL, NBA, Madden, FIFA. Uh, they have Alice Madness Returns, that's <laughs> which a shitty is game. like a... Yeah, actually, well, however you feel about it, there are a lot of people that remember that game fondly, my wife being one of them. Um, Dragon Age 2, Unravel 2, Burnout Paradise Remastered, Fee, uh, UFC, Sims 4, Console Edition, Battlefront 2, Need for Speed Payback, Hot Trash, Mass Effect Andromeda, Hot Trash, Titanfall (laughs) 2, Battlefield 1. There are actually quite a few games on here. Uh, uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, the first Unravel. Ooh, I would play that. Well, I already bought that on PS4, though. Yeah, I got uh, into a bad habit for a while of any time a game was like decently cheap, where I was like, oh, I would play this eventually, i buy it, which is just a stupid... Like, I bought Mirror's Edge Catalyst. It was on sale for like 10 bucks, like two years ago, and on some sale. And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll buy it. I can go buy it for like $5 now. because And I've never played it. It's just a waste. I do that all the time. I need yeah. to do that. Yeah, it looks like the Mass Effects are on here. Almost all the Battlefields. Uh, Dragon Age Inquisition's on there as well. Dead Space. Wait, so I could play, like, Mass Effect 1 
on my PS4? Uh, let me find that. There's Mass Effect 2. But, 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 yeah, first Mass Effect is on EA Access. Whether or not, like, but that's that's another one of the unknowns, right? Is yeah. if through EA Access, games that weren't available on that platform to begin with, if they're still going to be available on that PS4 version of EA Access. I don't right. know. Um, but yeah, it looks like all the dead spaces are on here. The first Mirror's Edge is on here. Yeah, they have like every battlefield. They have black? Mm. Dude. Hell yes, they have mm -hmm. black. I didn't realize that was an EA game. Um, yeah, that's a, I mean, that's, that's a awesome. robust library. It's obviously, it's all older stuff, but it's still cool. Yeah, well, and like, if, huh, yeah, they legit have black. That's wild. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, they have like the Star Wars Battlefront 1 and 2, Mass Effects, Battlefields, Titanfall. Well, you're also, you're looking at it on PC, right? Well, I just, I looked up the EA Access games. Okay. Yeah, because like you said, the access might be different depending if you're on Could console be. or if you're on PC. Could be. But I'm sure we'll know more as it gets rolled out. But that's pretty cool. Yeah. At least to give people the option. Right. Um, There are new PSVR bundles. If you haven't bought a PSVR and you want to buy a PSVR, you can buy now buy it for a little bit cheaper. I don't really want to buy a PSVR because VR is like kind of already dying. <laughs> it's only been like two years. Yeah. But there, there's a bundle available May 28th that has Blood and Truth, which is a game I've never heard of, and Everybody's Golf, and two Move controllers for $350. Or if you wait until May 31st, you can get Trover Saves the Universe and Five Nights at Freddy's with your PSVR for 300 bucks. It does not come with the Move controllers. Excuse me. So, if you want some games to play and you want VR, you can certainly do that. Not sure why you would want to spend all that money on PSVR, but you certainly could. Yeah, Blood and Truth is that uh, first-person shooter um, that's like... Uh, I don't know if it's like a heist or if it's like a gang, mob, mafia kind of thing. Oh, okay. That but was it's one supposed of like to like have really demos. nice... Yeah, it's supposed to have like really nice graphics yeah. and whatever. Um and it's uh, okay. It's not out yet? Question mark. I think it comes out with in conjunction with this bundle. I believe. When did it say okay. the bundle's coming out? May twenty eighth. Yeah. Yeah. Because it says it's not out yet. But yeah, oh, okay. it's supposed to be like really nice graphics, high production value, kind of first person shooter experience. Um, that follows like a narrative. So. Well, that's potentially cool. Then. Could be neat. I mean, if you if it's you a forty dollar game and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Not Who bad. Knows? Okay. Uh, the, we now have Pokemon plushies for all the Johto Pokemon. So go spend every dime that you own to buy all the Pokemon. Go buy them all. And I, di I didn't realize that they already had all the ones from for, for Kanto. I've seen yeah, like me random ones, but I didn't realize that they've had everything. So part of this, which is cool, is they have all the variations of Unknown, which is just kind of nice. So you can buy all the Unknown <laughs> in addition to everything else. Yeah. So, that's cool. Um, and then in the world, they are of, all eleven dollars. That seems there like are, a lot. Well, actually, interesting. It shows right now that there are one hundred and thirty-eight. So they don't have all original one hundred and fifty. Were there one hundred and fifty Pokemon in Johto? Yeah, the original one fifty. Well, one hundred and fifty-one, counting Mew. Right. Yeah, this only no, lists no, no. 138. No, Kyle, but this is Johto. This is the gold and silver Pokemon, not Kanto. Well, no, no, no. This is like 
I'm at the store right now for what they currently oh, have. Of okay, so the, they don't uh, have all the Kanto Pokemon. Correct. Not yet. They're coming. Ba ba ba. Uh, when does it say? Uh, it doesn't say when. It is cool though, man. So I'll link the Game Informer article in the show notes. Uh, anybody wants to check that out at shayhitseverything.com. But it has an image of all the uh, the Johto Pokemon in here. And just looking at it, I'm like, yeah, I'd want that one. I'd want that one. I'd want that one. Yeah. He got out of control pretty quick. Like, oh man, Suicune and, and Entei. Like, seeing all that, like, that would be super cool to have. Oh man, this Raichu one is so Pichu, cute. Pichu, obviously. Of course, they have Pichu, like, right in the middle. Yeah, I wonder what okay. Pokemon they're missing from the 151. Yeah, that is weird. Um, all right, so moving into the world of television. Some Batman news. So we got a trailer for the new Batwoman show on the CW starring Ruby Rose. Uh, it looks like a CW superhero show, so it does not look particularly good. It just seems Correct. generic, melodramatic, like all that stuff is. Like, I'm sure it will be fan service because you know like all those shows supergirl and arrow and black lightning all those shows are fan service if nothing else so at least there's that positive it is cool like it seems like they're taking a little bit of a darker turn on this than even like arrow did which is interesting and it's just cool to see like especially in the trailer they're really highlighting here are all the the main characters that are female in this show which is pretty neat. Like, obviously, the central character's female. And what's cool, like, she's gay. She was in the military. They're very open about her being gay. Like, that is just cool to see on television, period. Much less in the world of superheroes. So, props to them for that. I think they, especially in the trailer, they fall into the predictable trap of, like, because it's about female empowerment... It's not just about female empowerment. It's also about shitting on guys because we can't be empowered unless we bring you down a level, which is, I hate that aspect of some, the way that some people approach feminism. And there was a little bit of that in this, like it was very like, I'm the girl and I'm better than the boys kind of attitude, which is just really tired and like unnecessary. But broadly, I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not going to watch the show because I don't care because I don't watch any of those CW shows because I don't care. But like, it is cool that this feels different and it feels more like a more modern show with a, a, a gay woman playing a character in like a more dark adaptation of a superhero. So yeah, that, yeah. that part of it's interesting. What I am less excited about is the fact that Robert Pattinson is probably going to be our next Batman. Pause oh. for laughter. Uh, yeah, this, I saw this, uh, on a Facebook post from IGN and I thought it was a prank (laughs) and it isn't (laughs) Robert Pattinson is the number one choice and is currently in like negotiations to play Batman because Ben Affleck is out. And so they were going to like, he was going to do, he was going to write and direct and star in a Batman movie. All that changed. They brought in a different director. They were doing a bit of a different thing. He was like, I don't want to do that. Also, all these movies in this universe have been terrible, so I'm going to wash my hands of it before I get drugged down, which was a smart move on his part. Yeah. So instead, now, this movie is supposed to be more like... 
it still takes place in the same universe, but because it's Robert Pattinson, he will be playing a young Ben Affleck Batman. It's the same character. So this takes place back in time. I've heard multiple, like on the original pitch of Ben Affleck's was that Deathstroke was going to be the villain, which they introduced in Justice League, which all that ties into how Justice League was, but because this takes place not now, they're going to do a different thing. I saw somewhere someone say that it looked like Penguin, Catwoman, and the Riddler were all going to be villains in this movie. Oh, good, because if there's one thing that makes a movie better, it's more villains. Yep, every time I think of, like, a lot of villains in a single movie, what's the first one that comes to your head? Spider-Man 3. Everyone's favorite superhero movie. (laughs) So, I don't know, dude. I don't know, dude. Uh, So, I'm looking at the Game Informer article here. So, um, yeah, so we have this Joker movie starring Joaquin Phoenix that doesn't exist in this larger DC cinematic universe. Right. So weird. So but why also, is it happening? Birds of Prey is still happening, and I'm pretty sure Margot Robbie's uh, What's-Her-Face is going to be, Harley Quinn is going to be in that. And then the Wonder Woman sequel, which takes place, is Wonder Woman 1990, or 1984, rather, are coming out next year. And then 2021 is supposedly this Batman movie, The Suicide Squad, directed by James Gunn, which is sort of a reboot, but also has the same people playing some characters and also some other people playing the same characters and then new people playing characters that are not played by the same old people. So who the fuck knows what's happening with that movie? And The Flash, which I didn't realize they had even announced they were like actually doing a standalone Flash movie. But boy, howdy, I'm not watching that because that was like the most annoying character in the Justice League. So they're sticking to their guns with this, apparently. They're James Guns, And it's real bad. Like, all this DC stuff is such a train wreck. Especially after, after having seen Endgame. And just the satisfaction and resolution after 11 years of Marvel movies. 22 Marvel movies over 11 years. Maybe well, even like you more look at like how, how many characters were involved. How many disparate storylines and the threads... The fact that they managed to all come together yes. in the end, and they were all, they always managed to be focused towards the same aim in yes. some way. And you look at what DC's doing, you're like, what the fuck is going on over there? It's a yeah. madhouse. It's, it's chaos it's over completely there. Completely rudderless and leaderless. Like, it just seems like everyone's doing their own thing, and there's no larger. Like,. If you are trying to replicate what Marvel did, just more mature, fine. Zack Snyder was not the guy to try to do that, but that's a separate discussion. But, like, if that's your goal, that totally makes sense. But if you look at what Marvel did, the reason it was so successful is because they handpicked a couple of characters to introduce by themselves and very slowly and meticulously weave them together and build a larger universe from that. That was not at all the strategy that DC took. And that's why it floundered. Like, you have the Justice League movie happen when we've never even met half of the characters in the Justice League before. How are you going to expect me to connect with these characters that I've never seen in a movie before? 
taken away the fact that you pick bad directors, the writing is poor. Like, that's obviously much larger problems. But even the strategy was flawed from the start. And now it seems like they're just like, what the fuck ever. Just keep shitting out DC movies. People gotta like one of them, right? Like, the reception to Aquaman was better. People liked Wonder Woman. The reception to Shazam was better, I guess. I don't know. Keep making a bunch of movies and a couple of them will land. Like, I'm not trying to say that every Marvel movie was amazing, but like... Come on, guys. Robert Pattinson is not the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, look at your demographic. Who, what is your audience for this Batman movie? If it's people like me, why the fuck would you cast Robert Pattinson? Makes no sense. I'm bored talking about DC movies. They make me angry. Yeah. So let's switch to Disney. Speaking of huge movie franchises, they like put out their giant list of movies they're releasing in like the next decade. Obviously, it's not totally comprehensive, and I'm sure there will be things that move and change and get delayed and new stuff that gets announced. But let's walk through this. I'm only going to pull the highlights because a lot of these movies we don't give a shit about. But in 2019. Aladdin comes out May 22nd, which I know we don't give a shit about, but it is this year, so it's more relevant. Toy Story 4, June 12th, hell yes. The Lion King, July 19th. I will probably see it, but I don't really care. Frozen 2, November 22nd. Good for you. And then Star Wars Episode 9, Rise of the Skywalker, on December 20th. So it's a pretty action-packed rest of the year. I don't yeah. care about all those, but like that's a lot of Disney movies. And then in 2020 is where we start to get into some some stuff where, like, they hadn't even announced before, where we're just now learning about it. So there's a new Kingsman movie coming out February 14th, which shocks me. Did you see the second I, one? I did. I didn't okay, love it, but I it was not. fine. It's a perfectly fine action movie. I liked it less than the first one, but neither of them are, like, great. They're just fine. Okay. Uh, and then Onward, which is the next Pixar movie, comes out on March 6th. It stars Chris Pratt, Tom Holland... And Julia Louis-Dreyfus, which is a pretty good cast. And it's about, like, two elf brothers that are, like, trying to find their place in the world. Something like that. So, you know I'm going to see that shit. And then New Mutants, the X-Men movie, comes out on April 3rd now of 2020. So, it's been delayed multiple times. And I guess they went through huge extensive reshoots. And they have said that New Mutants doesn't exist in... How what the, it's not part of their plans for how they're bringing the X Men into the Marvel universe, so it's going to be kind of its own standalone thing. Or I don't know if it's going to be part of the old X Men universe. It's still very confusing what they're trying to do with all that because obviously the X Men Dark Phoenix thing, like that's the final X Men movie that doesn't tie into Marvel. So it's just going to be really weird, and I'm sure challenging to see how that's all going right. to uh, go together. And then in. Uh, on March 27th of 2020, there's a live-action Mulan movie. And then we have an unannounced Marvel movie, May 1st of 2020. So this is the first Marvel movie post-Spider-Man Far From Home. Which I had talked about as being the first Marvel movie of Phase 4. Where actually Kevin Feige came out and said, Actually, we're thinking about this. We're thinking about Spider-Man Far From Home as the last movie of phase three so it's sort of the epilogue to the events of endgame 
which given the new trailer for Far From Home, I'm not, I won't give it out because it's still it's it was a spoiler filled trailer for Avengers Endgame, so I still won't go into the details. But it makes sense what they're doing and how Far From Home ties directly into the events of Endgame. So this movie, May first, twenty twenty, will be the beginning of Phase Four. No idea what it's going to be. It could very easily be like Black Panther two, or like um, a new. I don't even. I mean, it's hard to say without going into spoilers of it. But I guess I mean this is a small one. So at the at the end of Endgame, Thor kind of teams up with the Guardians of the Galaxy. So it seems like they're going to like buddy comedy stuff going forward. So it could be like I don't know if he's going to be in Guardians Volume three, but that could be a spot for this. Who knows? But that's the only Marvel movie in 2020. Just a single one on May 1st. So that will be interesting to see what that's going to be. Or if it is it something brand new. And that's how they're going to kick it off. Then on May 29th, we have an Artemis Fowl movie directed by Kenneth Branagh. Did you read those books? Uh, I did. I was a very much an Artemis Fowl fan back in yeah. like junior high. Okay. Are you interested in a, an Artemis Fowl movie directed by the Kenneth Branagh? No, because <laughs> I'm not a child anymore. Fair. So I don't know why they're making this movie in 2019 when that is there hasn't weird. been an Artemis Fowl book in a very long time. That is weird. I would be the target demographic for this movie. I don't know why you would make this movie now. And maybe they just feel like they can mature it enough to attract people like you. or I guess they just haven't shown that yet. Right. Or they're just trying to bring it to a brand new audience. Very well could be. I, I We will definitely know whenever we see more of this movie. If it's going for your demographic or if it's going for actual young adults now. Yeah, because I, I really liked the universe they had set up. Like how the fairies were like these kind of like gross looking like wrinkly things that were like blue glittery skin and stuff. And like all the, they were like these like high tech fairies like they have like crazy like future weapons and stuff and like they're like a police force mm-hmm. it's like a lot of really cool shit um so it would be interested to see how they realize that and i also really like kenneth branagh um, sure so i don't know like kenneth branagh alone might be enough to get me to see this movie and just like i'm at least interested if they're gonna go for a darker tone because right. the books are kind of dark like right like a whimsical dark in a way, but also like there are moments that are like kind of heavier. Um, and I think it's, there's an, like the easy way to rope people in from, pardon me, from my generation, well, generation, um, from my demographic would be to make it a little bit darker hmm. and play around with some of that stuff more. Cause I think there's, there's room for either direction. All right. Curious to see a trailer. And then on June 19th of 2020, we're getting another Pixar movie. So they have Onward releasing in March and then another one in June, which this one's not announced. No idea what it is. And then in July, there's a Bob's Burgers movie, which people were freaking out because this is one of those where like no one knew they were making a Bob's Burgers movie until they released this schedule. I don't particularly care about Bob's Burgers, but I know there are a ton of Bob's Burgers fans. So a lot of people are really hyped about it. And then what was a surprise to me? October 9th, a movie called Death on the Nile, which is a sequel to Murder on the Orient Express, which will be starring Kenneth Branagh as Detective yeah. Perrault or whatever. I still Murder on the Orient that. Express, 
90% of that movie was really fun and cool, and then the resolution was so fucking dumb and trite that it kind of ruined most of what... Because it, it's, it's a murder mystery movie. So the ending really, really matters. Like, the resolution right. really matters. Everything hinges on it. And I found the ending to be quite dumb. So hopefully this one's better. I know they're all based on books, so it's not like they created this whole whole cloth or whatever. So maybe Death on the Nile is a better story or has a better resolution. And then at the end of 2020, December 23rd, just in time for Christmas, we're getting a new West Side Story starring the dude from Baby Driver as the lead guy. And then some chick I've never heard of as Maria. So I don't know. I thought he was pretty okay in Baby Driver. But I also thought he was maybe not like... I think Ansel Elgort is his name. He was like a a teen heartthrob guy. Like he did a bunch of uh, like more teen drama movies based on the like teen books and then he did baby driver which was much cooler so we'll see and then in 2021 this is where things start to get quite interesting because there are three marvel movies slated for 2021 february may and november so this i mean we're in there like phase four whatever the fuck this is going to be you have to imagine guardians volume three if it isn't the 2020 movie it will be one of these 2021 movies you have to imagine we're going to get a Black Panther 2 in there somewhere. We're going to get a Captain Marvel 2 in there somewhere. No idea what the other stuff is going to be. In July of 2021, Indiana Jones 5. We all know Indiana Jones 4 was not the best, but George Lucas won't be involved in this. So maybe it won't suck. And Harrison Ford is returning, obviously. And then at the end of 2021, Avatar 2. Because everyone has been clamoring for a new Avatar movie ever since the first one came out back in 2009. Do it! This is going to be 12 years after Avatar came out. We're getting a sequel to Avatar. Why? Why? And not only are we getting a sequel, we're getting like four of them. Because starting in 2022, or I guess starting in 2021... Every December, they alternate between Avatar and Star Wars, Avatar and Star Wars, Avatar and Star Wars. So, what's interesting to me about this is, after Episode Nine, this December, no Star Wars movie for three years. That's interesting to me. That I is am, interesting. I'm glad about it, but it I mean, is They'll have the television show, but that's it. Yeah, but that's not the same. And the, right. The prevailing theory, and I don't know if this has been confirmed, but that this will be the trilogy currently being worked on by David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, the guys behind Game of Thrones, and seeing what has happened with Game of Thrones when they were in charge of creating their own story, I have zero faith in their ability to put together a good Star Wars trilogy. So there are a lot of nerves on my part about the way that these are going to go. But at least they have a long time to work on them. So Disney's got a lot of stuff working, basically. Yeah. Uh, And obviously as we get like, hey, Avatar 5 is coming out December 19th of 2027. Like, you know, a million things will change in between now and then. But this is kind of the high-level outline of what they're doing. I would not be at all surprised to get another one-off Star Wars movie. Like if they're still doing the Obi-Wan movie or the Boba Fett movie or whatever somewhere between 2019 and 2022 but I think them taking a pause 
is smart. I don't know. Anything anything else on there that like jumps out to you that like is interesting or sounds cool to you? I know no. you're kind of like off the Marvel stuff. Yeah. I like honestly though I kind of hope after Spider-Man comes out that they release a Marvel like what would it be phase 1 through 3 collection of every Marvel movie. That'd be a lot. Well cuz like it started with like the first Iron Man, right? Yeah. Yeah. I would like to have like a box set of every Marvel movie like in release order. Mm-hmm. Um, and that because that's something that I would go back through and I would watch all of those movies again, oh, yeah. like in order. Because I also missed some of them. Yeah, um, I would. I one hundred percent want to marathon all of them, and that's like. I mean, this shows how immature I still really am for Father's Day. So I own a bunch of random Marvel movies, but not certainly not all of them. And that was like for Father's Day, Kelly. If you want to get me a couple of the other Marvel movies, because I want to own all of them. <laughs> yeah. I just not I, really. I, I want them to have, <laughs> like, they sell it in Thanos's gauntlet. Yeah, and sure. <laughs> and you open the gauntlet, and it's just a bunch of Blu-rays. <laughs> I mean, that's twenty-two movies, dude. Like, that would be a really expensive box set. Bring it on! <laughs> like we're talking like two hundred fifty dollar box set. Uh, bring, bring it on! <laughs> There's other stuff you could be spending two hundred fifty dollars on, but it is interesting oh, yeah. to me to hear. That you are, you would be interested in watching all of them now that it's over. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And I can enjoy them without other people's opinions right. and thoughts. You can just go in your room and just watch them. I can just, yeah, yeah, in a vacuum. All right, I could buy that. I, I guess I'm making a presumption, but I would hope they're all going to end up being available on Disney Plus when it launches in the fall. So maybe that's the solution. Oh, uh, that's true. Where you could just watch that all could of be. them. That would actually be ideal because I'm going to get Disney Plus anyway. So if I could do that and not have to buy a bunch of Blu-rays, they're going to sit in my office for the rest of my life after I watch it one time. That would be the ideal. Well, okay. That's all the news we got. We do have a hate of the schedule. So let's dive into hate of the week. Hate of the week. So this is Game of Thrones related or like triggered by game of thrones but is not exclusive to game of thrones and this is this like modern movement of people being anti-criticism so like and i get maybe it's just because of the internet and people are like over over correcting we're like it used to be the internet was the place to go to bitch about everything into the world into the universe and maybe people have just reached a point where like they're sick of seeing the negativity so now they're like doing the opposite where they like don't want to hear anything bad about a thing that they like, even if it's justified. So like the reason this is Game of Thrones related, the most recent episode was far and away the worst episode of Game of Thrones, period. Like they completely backtracked on a lot of character arcs that had happened. They made something happen with Daenerys that was utterly unjustified and just like she's like flipped a switch into being she's crazy now. Like, no justification for it. And so you go, and the the majority of people feel this way. Like, this isn't just me in a vacuum hating everything. The majority of people feel this way. And the response has been, like, this harsh backlash of people like, fuck you for not loving what is happening on Game of Thrones. 
Which, first of all, I'm like, why? Like, why are you mad that people aren't enjoying it? And two, they're like, so I'm going to spoil Game of Thrones because I kind of have to for the context of this. So if you haven't seen them, I mean, when people are listening to this, the finale has aired. And I don't imagine a lot of people are like, I'm going to wait a week to catch up on Game of Thrones. Like, if you're watching Game of Thrones, you're watching it when it happens. So there's a whole thing with Daenerys trying to go to King's Landing to take out Cersei and take over the Iron Throne. Obviously, that's been a thing. So they get there and she's all pissed because her assistant was murdered and her one of her other dragons dies. So she only has one dragon left. So she's like super mad about it. They get there and Tyrion is like, hey, there are these bells in the city. We're going to attack the city, but we don't want to murder earnest, innocent people in the street. Like we're just trying to take out Cersei. We're trying to take out the Lannister army. The fewest amount of deaths possible. So when we go and attack... You destroy all the, like, big uh, crossbows that shoot these bolts that kill dragons. You destroy those. We'll take out some of the army. And then we'll ring the bells. And then it's a ceasefire. Because then it's just innocent people left. You down for that, Danny? And she's all like, yeah, I'm mad, but okay. And they go and do it. They kill the army that Cersei hired. They destroy all the giant crossbows. They The Lannister army drops their weapons and they give up. They ring the bells and Daenerys is sitting up there and she gets all mad. And then she proceeds to literally burn the entire fucking city of King's Landing. She kills every person that fucking lives there. All the innocent people, children, women. She burns fucking everyone. Why does she do that, you might ask? Yes, is the answer I provide. And so, like, you go online and like. The response, so I go online and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, the war was over and she just says, I'm gonna kill everybody now just cause. Like, it was just cause is the answer. And people were like, no, first of all, you're just mad that she's a bad guy now. You wanted her to, like, be the good guy hero. And that's just not what the show is about. You can't be mad that she's a bad guy. And second of all, they were they were sprinkling moments of this the whole way we know that her dad was crazy and he murdered innocent people and look at all the people that Daenerys has killed before and then I'm like okay first of all I'm not mad that she's a bad guy I wanted her to become a bad guy that's the most interesting solution to the problem that they have where they have too many good guy characters like I'm I would be super pumped for her to become a bad guy my issue is that it happened it was a switch that was flipped They did not build up to it because your whole argument of like, oh, she's murdered a bunch of people. Who are the people that she's murdered? A bunch of people that were traitors to her or that meant her harm. She never killed any innocent people. Everything she did was in spite of protecting the innocent people. Season five, when she stayed in Marine and she was fucking boring as hell because she just sat on the throne there, it was because she didn't want to leave the city because she cared too much about these innocent people. And now she just decides, oh, I'm going to murder everyone. And they're like, oh, well... So, like, their response to my negativity is saying, like, you're mad about something that I'm not mad about. And I'm telling you why I'm not mad about that. And yet they're still like, no, it does make sense. You're just mad that she's a bad guy. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm telling you why I'm mad. And they're like, no, you're just mad that she's a bad guy. And it's like, how are you supposed to argue with someone like that? Being completely irrational and just, like, completely dismissing very valid arguments of my personal unhappiness with the show. 
If you like the show, fuck off. Go ahead and like it. Watch it. Fine. Me not liking it does nothing to affect your enjoyment of it. And then the second part is like this implication that the writers have been right all along. They've been sprinkling these seeds all along. And like earlier on in that episode, Daenerys is talking about how like, you know, Tyrion's like, you got to spare all the innocent people. Tell me you're going to do that when we ring the bells, you're not going to attack. And she goes on this whole speech, I'm paraphrasing, but she's effectively like, yeah, but maybe killing all of them would prevent me from having to kill people in the future because I could start over fresh. And they're like, see, see, earlier in the episode, she, she said something that would make you believe that she would do this. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's the problem. The problem is that she said that because that was a completely out of character thing for her to say and believe. Just because a character says something does not mean that it is justified. By that logic, like next episode, John could come in and everybody's like, dude, John, fucking your girlfriend slash aunt just murdered thousands of people. We got to take her out. And he could be like, no, I'm in love with her. I'm going to kill all of you right now. And then he kills all of them. And by the same logic... Oh, that was justified. He said he was going to do it. So it makes sense for his character to do it. Like, that's such a stupid argument. So, bottom line. People that are unwilling to even hear criticism. Like, what? If you don't agree, whatever. But don't act like... Like, I'm giving you point-by-point valid arguments for why I don't like it. You can take those points and say, they don't bother me, or I actually like that, or it was surprising, I enjoyed the twist. But instead, they're saying, no, you're not actually mad because of those reasons you just gave me. You're actually mad for this bad reason, to make me feel better about not being mad about it. And that's so shitty to, like, present, and like, I'm telling you why I'm mad. This is why I'm mad. If I was mad that she was a bad guy, I would tell you. That's why I'm mad. It's not why I'm mad. So fuck off, Twitter. <laughs> and this is, this is, they, they have become the vocal minority now. Like, for years, like, for all, all the time, always. This vocal minority was always the people that were mad about stuff and complaining about stuff. And now, with Game of Thrones, we're the majority. Most people are mad about Game of Thrones. And the vocal minority are the people like blindly defending every single thing that happens. And that's a really weird change to see happen for what used to be probably the best show ever made to what is now like, I, Kelly, before we started season, whatever the fuck season this is, eight, Kelly was like, dude, once this season ends, we got to marathon the whole thing. That'll be so fun to watch all the old things and like the whole arc. I don't want to do it anymore. Like I might watch the first three seasons because those were awesome. But like I don't, I never want to watch this season again. It's like when I like coming out of the Last Jedi, where I'm like I never want to watch that movie ever again. And that's a fucking bummer, dude. So there you go, people. People that have been missing hate of the week. There you go. I don't have a lot to add. Because <laughs> I think Game of Thrones is bad from the start. Whatever. It was an apple that was poisoned from the core. But I will say, I am overjoyed that you no longer are enjoying Game of Thrones. 
I feel like in some way I have won. But it's but not it was the a same. victory in which I did not contribute anything, so it was just like a free victory for me. But it, but that's not the same because I actually had a similar feeling after this most recent episode. Once I saw people really turn on the show, where I was like, "I told you guys, the last couple seasons, the writing has been real shitty." I've been saying this for like three years now. Finally, people are coming around. It was very validating to me. The difference is, I still think those early seasons are spectacular. I have not turned on the show in its entirety. It's just bad right now. So where my validation was other people agreeing that the show is bad right now, you're saying it would be validating for me to say the whole show sucks, and that's not what I'm saying. So take back your validation. Your opinion is still bad. You're just mad that whatever. You're just mad that stupid argument. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're just mad that stupid argument <laughs> uh, i was trying to i was trying to replicate the people that are anti-criticism that i deal with but i couldn't come up with a good reason so yeah, yeah you're there's mad a, that uh, bad argument there's a twitch streamer slash youtuber that my buddy watches that he introduced me to and i've been watching it he's so funny um but he he sells merchandise and one of his merch uh options is a hat and just in lowercase cursives it just says you suck Okay, and I feel like most in, most negative interactions could be avoided in life if I just walked around with that hat on. <laughs> just because people like, wouldn't bother. I, I would never actually have to say anything. I could yeah. just point to my hat and walk away. <laughs> and that's how I I feel like all those people that are mad at you for being mad, you could just point at your hat and walk away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about all the different examples of how they've just completely betrayed the characterizations that have been established over seven years. Maybe you should write a blog post about it on SheaHatesEverything.com. Maybe I should. This is not the time nor the place. I I wrote a couple long Facebook posts. (laughs) So, like, title it, Why New Game of Thrones is Bad and Why New Star Wars is Scary. (laughs) <laughs> that might help seo to get game of thrones and star wars both in there but that's a I bad know. title that's a bad title for, for a well i'm just you know springboard here <laughs> right, right fair gotta workshop it all right so let's talk about this email and then we'll uh, wrap some things up so we got an email from superstar listener steve in dc steve writes shay Netflix's Love, Death, and Robots opens up its first season with a blood-and-grit-filled version of what only reminded me of a Pokemon battle. This is something I've wanted to see for a long time, but also got me thinking. What is a license or property for younger-slash-more-general audiences that could be done really well with a more mature or adult look to it? My example would be taking Dora the Explorer and giving it a reskin similar to the Tomb Raider reboots of the late PS3 360 era. And the reverse is even tougher. What is a licensor properly currently for mature and adult audiences that could be done really well with a reskin for more general audiences? This example feels like a cop-out, but I would love to see the Game of Thrones series done with the style of Lego games. The Lego charm could definitely tone down the more mature content, where fans of the series can get a laugh out of the creative ways to make the mountain cave in Oberon's Lego skull. <laughs> Which I gotta, I gotta get a kick out of that. Would love yeah. to hear your, both of your ideas and discussion on this question. Thanks both for the pod. Steve and DC. So first I'll say, a couple of weeks ago, I started the Love, Death, and Robots show, and I just couldn't get into it. Like, after like five minutes, I was like, I don't know what it was, but five minutes, and I was like, I don't care. I'm done with this. 
So I feel like I need to give it a sh- another shot because I feel like a lot of people really enjoyed that. But anyway, yeah. sidebar. So ironically, when I think about taking something um, for kids and making it gritty, the first two things that popped into my mind would have been Pokemon and Dora the Explorer. Like Dora the Explorer was the first one. Totally agree. Tomb Raider adapt- adaptation would be really cool. So for Pokemon, the way that I would twist it is like making it more like XCOM where when you're in a battle, if you lose a Pokemon, they're dead. They die. <laughs> as well as making the story like sort of post-apocalyptic where Team Rocket has taken over the world and like destroyed everything with a nuclear bomb or something. And so you're out in like the wilderness trying to like, it has like survival elements to it where you're trying to kept, capture Pokemon. And maybe there are like bad forms of Pokemon that have been like irradiated, which is actually like that, uh, fan-made game Pokemon Uranium where you could get nuclear versions of the Pokemon that were like more volatile they were more powerful but they wouldn't always listen to you like that might be a cool twist but the bigger thing is like your Pokemon fucking die in battle and then or it's like, th- uh, like Metal Gear Solid 3 um, the uh, like the injury healing mechanics of Metal Gear Solid 3 you have to like tend your Pokemon's wounds yeah. there's like a burn wound on it's left right. leg and you have to like treat it with like <laughs> antiseptic and right. all this stuff <laughs> the other one I thought of uh, it's kind of the opposite of the Lego argument so instead of taking something gritty and adding Lego to it it's taking the concept of Legos and making it serious so this was more of a movie than a video game but this would be a Lego movie set in World War 2 where like they're, you know, storming the beach at Normandy and, like, a mine goes off and it blows up a Lego dude into, like, the three parts. <laughs> his legs, his, his torso, and his head. Oh, and then, God. like, they drop the nuclear bomb in Hiroshima and, like, the, the, the wave of nuclear radiation flashes over and it, like, wipes the face off of the people, like, of their, like, little Lego bodies. Like, how, you know, they all have the painted faces and stuff. Like, wipes yeah. it off as the bodies disintegrate. That's how I imagine Lego. Not taking something gritty and making it kid-friendly with Lego, but taking the concept of Lego and putting it into something really dramatic and dire. Do you have any uh, like gritty takes on something kid-friendly? Yeah, so Minecraft for adults. Okay, uh, good one. Because there, there's a lot of like fan art of like really terrifying creepers and Endermen yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And so like I, I like the idea of like someone just like sleeper hit releases the survival game on Steam and it's like really gory, bloody, creepy. Like at night, the darkness is really close and like you can hear these growling things, like zombies, like actual zombies stumble out of the woods, you're, like dismembering them and shit, and like you're like digging up dirt to build houses and chopping down trees and building mm-hmm. forts, uh, coming across NPC, uh, small gatherings of huts and villages or like tending crops. And you can like, you know, like give them things and like trade with them. And then like the first night, like you hear this like slithering noise behind <laughs> you and you turn around and there's this horrible hulking, like, bulbous green monstrosity staggering towards you like an open maw and when you kill it it explodes and like you blast back and you get knocked down and it's ringing in your ears and the vision blurs like you stagger up and then you look off into the distance and there's this creepy tall like the limbs are too long like skin made of obsidian and it like teleports towards you really quickly and like its eyes are glowing purple in the dark and it leaves like lens flare trails as it teleports towards you <laughs> like shit like that would be a lot of fun that sounds and, like super dope 
Yeah. So, but like, it's it, it's sleeper hit on Steam, and it's like named something completely different, right. and you don't really realize it's Minecraft. Yeah. It's like a, this slow dawning realization that this is just Minecraft, and this yeah. is fucked up. There is a lot of creepy shit in Minecraft. Yeah. Just like the Endermen in particular are very creepy, and um, oh shit, what's the uh. It's the new boss that they added after the Ender Dragon that you can spawn. Like, you need to... The uh, Wither? Collect. Wither, yes. Oh, the Wither man. was always terrifying to me. One, yeah, this, like, so powerful. This gross, like, like, rib cage and, yeah. like, massive body parts floating in the air. And it, like, hurls, like, necrotic essence. And, like, yeah. it hits the ground and, like, bubbles up. And it's, like, no longer safe to walk there. And just thinking like about, like, the end, like, going to the end, instead yeah. of it being this, like, little moon made of sponge, like, it's more like, it looks like a, a planet that's been, like, had all the life sucked out of it. And yeah. so, like, t- oh, oh, like, if you had an orange, and you just, like, sucked all the juice, like, how it would, like, wrinkle and, and sort of contract, yeah, shrivel, like, kind of that attitude to it. Yeah. With these, like, giant spires with the dragon flying around. That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> right there's no way they could even even if they named it something different and made it super realistic they would still get sued for copyright infringement Probably. i mean minecraft is the biggest thing on the planet one of but, but microsoft really listening cool. yeah make a gritty minecraft <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome yeah all right well the kid-friendly take on gritty the first thing that popped into my head was Bioshock, just because it's my favorite game of all time. So the way that I would kind of twist this is it would sort of be like the uh, Discovery Mode in the Assassin's Creed games, where it's more just about like walking around and it's sort of educational. And so like you don't go to Rapture and you're like around all the splicers and shit, but it's sort of like a recreated Rapture in a regular world, where it's kind of like a Rapture museum. And you just walk around and you're like learning about... The, the societal things that happened in a very, like, academic way, not like a scary, the fall of mankind way. Okay. And maybe, like, you know, if it's a video game, it'd be, a, like, maybe there are, you know, puzzles and stuff. I'm trying to think of some kind of gameplay elements. But just turning that, and, like, I'm especially thinking of Columbia from Bioshock Infinite. Like, what a cool um, engineering thing that they were able to do to make this floating city. Yeah, and they cool have, like, an be. engine from the floating city yeah, on display. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So, like, you you're, you can more just, like, be in the space and enjoy the sights and sounds versus it being, like, you know, a first-person shooter where you're Yeah, in, people. like, a very sterile, removed way, like, going to a World War II exhibit in a museum. Yeah. Where it's, like, this horrible period in history, but it's all very sterile and kind of calculated and factual yeah that could be interesting the other thing i thought of so this again would be more of a movie than than a game but there have been a lot of different uh attempts to make zombies funny and uh some of them have certainly been more successful than others but kind of the way that i would treat it is like it's like mr magoo and for folks that don't know what mr magoo is he was kind of this character that they made movies he was very excuse me, slapstick style character where he was like essentially blind and he was very aloof and didn't pay attention to his surroundings. And so he would get involved in all this craziness, but he would be protected from it. Like, oh, he's walking towards a stairway, reading a book, and he doesn't realize this because he's going to fall down the stairs. But then at the same time, a kid walks by and falls off a skateboard. And so Mr. Magoo steps on the skateboard and the skateboard takes him safely down the stairway. Like that kind of stuff happens where... He gets in these circumstances where you think something bad's going to happen, but he's always fine. 
and to do that with a zombie instead where like the zombie is more like slapstick and stupid versus like scary and i think a lot of this comes more from like being tired of zombies in general and so one like what twist can we put on them to keep it fresh but also make a joke out of the concept of zombies i just think it would be really funny to see like a bunch of zombies that are like goofy they're still zombies like they're not intelligent they don't run or like talk or solve problems they're still regular zombies but they're goofy like they're like tripping over each other and like the one of them doesn't have an arm and so like oh he's trying to get through a doorway and like i don't know his or like he's trying to get through a doorway and his arm gets caught and so like the arm rips off and slaps one of the other ones as it falls like it's just weird stupid slapstick shit but with zombies yeah (laughs) what about you it's funny you went the slapstick angle because i also did okay Um, i said um the new Punisher show, but uh, Three Stooges, <laughs> where <laughs> where it's very like it obviously would not be John Bernthal, um, but it would be like very like yeah, I'm the Punisher, see, and I'm here <laughs> right. to like <laughs> I walk alongside the coppers, I go where they can't, uh, <laughs> and like just very slapstick, like the robber in the white stripes, like mm-hmm. steal some ladies. Yeah, steal some lady's purse, and then, like, the Punisher steps out from around the corner with a big skull on his shirt, but it's not, like, bloody. It's, like, a cartoon skull, yeah. and he, like, big chest puffed out, walks on over, like, now you return that purse to that later, I'm gonna give you a great big whoppin' whoppin'. And, like, like grabs his nose and, like, pulls it <laughs> off his face, and the guy's like, oh, my nose! And then, like, bonks him on the head, and he falls over. <laughs> that kind of stuff I think would be funny. See, I could also see the same thing, but, like, with the Fallout Vault Boy mentality, where it still is very that style and cartoony and jokey, but it is really violent. But it's really, yeah, (laughs) so kind of like a Happy Tree Friends situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where, like, it still is that attitude of, like, hey, see, you gotta come back here, but then he pulls out an assault rifle and shoots the guy (laughs) and cuts him in half to where, like, he falls over, and so, like, the criminal's trying to claw away, and the dude, like, you know, the Punisher, joke Punisher, he picks up his legs and he's, like, kicking him in the or kicking him in the head or something from behind <laughs> with his legs <laughs> with his own legs that he sawed off with the saw rifle <laughs> and then he hands the lady's purse back and it's covered in gore and she's right. just like oh thank you so much and she walks <laughs> off all like covered in gore <laughs> so yeah be fun 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 uh, thought experiment so thank you steve as always for writing in and Kyle, yeah I know so you had, as you a- had something else yeah as an extra thank you steve for always being a stalwart uh emailer I have taken your idea um, for Door the Explorer uh, crossing with Tomb Raider reboot, and I have written a short scene uh, set uh, in that universe, and right. I'm going to do a dramatic reading. <clears throat> Are you playing multiple characters here and the set directions, or uh, no? I just uh, it's like it's like it was written in a book. Okay, so sure. I'm gonna like gotcha. read this excerpt from this novel, uh, the reboot Door the Explorer. Love it. <clears throat> uh, titled Swiper and a Swiping. Dora's head rocks backwards from the underhanded blow. Backpedaling, she manages to halt her momentum just short of the cliff edge. Sparing a glance backwards, she tries to ignore the dizzying drop to the rocks below. She spits to the side, blood and perhaps a tooth. Adjusting her grip on the knife, she says, Swiper. It comes out in a slur of pain, forced between her remaining teeth. She coils herself, and with the last vestiges of her strength, lunges at Swiper, knife at the ready. Swiper attempts a feint, but she reads the tension in his body and compensates, the two of them crashing to the ground in a tangle of limbs, Dora coming out on top, the knife held between them. 
Swiper's eyes widen with surprise as p- and pain as the blade finds purchase. With a savage growl of effort, Dora slides the knife between Swiper's ribs and pierces his heart, the blood welling up, coating her hands. No swiping, she snarls, spitting with each syllable. With a final sputter, his mouth choking on blood, Swiper goes still. Heaving great breaths, Dora falls backwards and takes a moment to look at the sky. It looks like rain. She wipes her hands off on Swiper's overcoat, and taking care not to get more blood on her hands, she turns him over, his body refusing the full turn propped up on the handle of the knife. Rummaging through his pack, she lets out a sigh of relief as she pulls out the map. Dora struggles to her feet, unrolling the map and orients herself. Thick, heavy raindrops start to fall as she smiles. Her revenge is a mere miles off, and this weather suits her mood. Thank you. <laughs> so you gotta write that whole thing now. <clears throat> That's what I did this morning. <laughs> so Worthwhile use of time. Oh yeah. For sure. Swipe I or no swiping. That greatly. Thank you. <laughs> I hope Steve did. Yeah. Great, great uh, thought experiment, Steve. So thank you for that. If you, and, and by you, I mean anyone else, or maybe Steve, or maybe Kyle, too. You can write an email, too. Why not? Uh, info at shayhateseverything.com will get to me, and we will read it out loud on the internet. Um, similarly, I brought this up last episode, and I want to repeat it here. Leave us a review on iTunes. Helps us spread the word about the podcast. People find it more when there are more reviews. It can be more recommended. And we know it's going to be a five-star review, so that'll only help us even more. But also, I'll throw this out there. Anybody that writes a review, I'll read it on the podcast. So you can make it funny. I mean, if it's like legitimately a negative review, I might not read it. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we got it. We got it. (laughs) What I, I, I guess... I should have thought this through better. But my 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 reason or my like assumption was someone will write us a five-star review and like make fun of us in a funny way and like be sarcastic about it and then I would read the review. No, <laughs> if it's like, like a one-star like review really where they're like <laughs> sad and like yeah. critical commentary of right. like the two pandering brothers and like <laughs> That might even be better to read. Who knows? So That's yeah, leave true. us a review on iTunes and I'll read it on the podcast. Um, also, subscribe to the podcast on your subscription podcast subscription service of choice so you don't miss an episode. And then uh, tell your friends. If you think it's funny, I bet you someone you know would also think it's funny. But that's going to do it. One more thing. I don't hate. I don't hate video game soundtracks. I've mentioned this a bunch of times, but I am like totally hooked on video game soundtracks now. At work, I cannot get through my workday unless I'm listening to something. I was listening to the No Man's Sky soundtrack yesterday, and it was quite good. I had um, Crypt of the Necrodancer the, the day before, which is also quite good. I need that, like, I need some, like, movement to it, you know? Like, a lot of people, right. they want, like, relaxing, exploratory music while they're studying. I need something with, like, drive to it. I want to be tapping my foot. And there are a lot of good stuff out there. Yeah. Uh, I don't hate that I only have one more week of work. Me too. I got fired, by the way. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, and then a summer vacation. Nice. So you still had you still have your uh, like weekend. Yeah, the events and stuff. Theater event stuff. But hey, you're off during the week. That's makes it much more easy to deal with people you don't like. (laughs) Oh yes, it is. It is a good time. Well, cool. 
That's it for the podcast. Check us out on YouTube. You can subscribe there. And it's an easy place to leave comments, too, on the YouTube. I'll make sure to, to check those and uh, keep up to date. I'm just creating more work for myself, but it's Yeah, fun. good luck. I have, I have plenty of time. Like It's not <laughs> like I've got stuff going on. Right. I've got time, guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you can check comments while burping your daughter. That's true. You're right. All right, that's going to do it. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we will see you in the next episode, which will be our E3 predictions we will be talking about. So take a look forward for that. Peace out. Yeah.